What's up, everybody? This is the Booch, and this shout out goes to all of the members of the Booch Cast Nation. On behalf of the entire team and all of my affiliates, I would like to take this opportunity to thank you guys so much from the bottom of our hearts for your continued support of the Boochcast. Whether it's wrestling recaps, interviews, politics, variety shows, movie reviews, whatever episodes we come out with, you guys listen, you guys tune in, and you show your support. And it means the world to us. And we're going to commence with this latest episode in just a moment. But I want to take this opportunity right now to let you guys know something really huge that is going on in the world of the booch. I am now officially on Cameo. That's right. The Cameo. The same Cameo where celebrities go and give personal shout-out videos for all their fans. And I'm here to let you guys know that for the affordable price of just $25 you can get a personalized video from me on cameo and it can be for any occasion that you want you got somebody you want me to wish a happy birthday I'll make it happen you want me to congratulate someone on graduating high school or college I'll make it happen whether it's a happy holidays video it can be a gender reveal it can be somebody who needs some motivation you want the boots to motivate you or if you got somebody in your life that you want to break up with I'll help make the breakup happen or if you got somebody in your life that you want to tell to fuck off and you want it done booch style all you got to do is go to cameo.com slash booch 365 there'll be a link in the description box of every episode of the booch cast from now till the end of time go there book your video customize it however you want let me know how you want it done and i will make it happen for you so go to cameo.com slash booch365 right now and book your personalized video today for the affordable price of $25. And now, on with the show.
What's up? Everybody, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. And ladies and gentlemen, this week's episode is entitled, Hear Me Out. And the reason I've chosen that uh, title is because, for the first time in a long time, Zach and I are doing a variety show. And over time, there has been a lot of crazy shit that has gone down. And most of the time, whenever I'm under a lot of stress, and Zach adds to my stress, it's when he uses a little phrase called, hear me out. Because whatever follows hear me out is something that I know, not think, I know I'm not going to like. So I've chosen this title, and hopefully we'll have some fun. But ladies and gentlemen, joining me here now is the broke, soulless ginger, Mr. Zach Scott. What's up, dude, dude? This is me, the broke, soulless ginger, Zach Scott. Feeling me and I'm not that broke. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. Hopefully it doesn't last for four hours because I want to go eventually go home, enjoy the rest of my paid vacation. So, all right, Benny, what should we talk about first? Well, we got a few things we need to address over here. Um, these are just little, like, mini announcements. Uh, as you guys know, one big issue issue that's been going around is the issues we've been having with Gator Ricky Ross. Uh, Gator has been, shall we say, inconsistent a lot on this show to the point where it has caused arguments, it has caused tension, it has caused problems to the point where I'm surprised we're even still friends with all the anger that has gone through this whole entire ordeal. And part of the major problem was Gator was not showing up to record the show, especially on days and times that he suggested. And apparently Gator's schedule has gotten so hectic, so crazy, and so out of control, he can't commit one fucking day to recording this show. And my belief system is, if you're incapable of giving me at least one day of recording, no matter how busy your schedule is, then you shouldn't really be part of the show. Like, I've had this issue before. Obviously, Desmond was a big part of this show for a while. Eventually, he reached a point where he couldn't do it anymore, and he left. Elvis, same thing. John, same thing. Rhiannon, same thing. And most of them left for different reasons. Some of them were scheduling issues and everything else. They just could not commit to the show anymore for whatever reason. But they at least had the decency to say, I can't do it anymore, and left. Gator, on the other hand, would continue to schedule with me, keep trying to make plans, basically try to stay on the show, only to cancel on me out of nowhere for something, whether it was work-related, personal-related, whatever. And normally it wouldn't be a problem, but when it's happening over and 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 over again, after a certain point, you stop having sympathy for the situation. After a certain point, it will frustrate you. Because we have a show to do, we have content we need to put out, and Gator was holding back the show. So finally, we had to come to an understanding, because I'll be honest, I almost fired him. I was ready to kick him off the show completely. And it was making me angry because, A, as I mentioned before, Gator was picking the dates and times, and B, it also took me personally because I stuck my neck out for Gator. I stuck my neck out for him. There were so many times where people wanted me to kick Gator off the show. So many people wanted Gator gone for different reasons. Either they weren't getting along with him, or he was overly offensive, or... He was not helping the show as far as they were concerned. There were a lot of people that wanted Gator gone, but I kept him. So the fact that I stuck my neck out for Gator and I felt like I wasn't getting it back in return was where most of my anger was coming from. 
So finally, Gator and I, after the final straw that broke the camel's back, we finally came to an understanding. And here's what it is. Going forward, I am no longer going to be asking Gator when he is available to record. He's going to tell me when he's available. And once he tells me when he's available, I'm going to see what's available for him to do. I'm no longer going to be sitting around waiting for him to create content. I'm just going to create content on my own time. And if he wants to be on the show for something, he can. But if I've already recorded it, snooze, you lose. You miss out. So there's going to be some classic pay-per-view reviews that you're going to hear that are just me. Unless somebody else wants to jump in. If there's a particular pay-per-view that Zach wants to jump in and do, I'll invite him to come do it. If not, I'll do it alone. I don't care. So that's going to be the solution for that. And as far as, obviously he's no longer doing AEW. Well, none of us are. And as far as the Dark Side of the Ring videos... We're just going to knock those out. And like I said, if Gator shows up to do one of them, then so be it. If he doesn't, that's fine. I'm moving forward because I can't keep sitting around waiting for Gator anymore. I just can't do it. So Gator's still part of the show, but we have no idea when he's coming back, and I'm not worrying about it. If he wants to come back, he has my number, he knows how to contact me, and we can work something out, provided that he actually shows up when he says he will. Hey, Beatrice, I remember times you complained about that, like, okay, that's between you and Gator, I have nothing to do with that. None at all. At least I show up when I have to show up. Under some special circumstances in the past, like July 4th or some other time, but I understand. Yeah. So there's that issue. And then the other issue I'm going to talk about, and I'm not going to go into full detail about this because this is kind of a personal matter. So as long as the other person keeps it personal, so will I. But I will say that um, I did have a falling out with Goth Batty recently, and she will not be making any more appearances on the Boochcast except for the Dark Side of Comedy Roseanne Barr episode that we did. Because I was like the first thing that we recorded together for the Boochcast was Dark Side of Comedy Roseanne Barr. I'm still going to keep that video. I'm still going to put it out because it is still a good video. And I may even put links to where to find her and still promote her stuff. But going forward, after that Roseanne Barr video airs, there's nothing else related to Goth Batty. And the only reason I'm bringing it up right now is because I did mention she'd be making many appearances on the show. She's already made two because we did an interview with Goth Batty. And also there was the review that we did of the movie Sound of Freedom, which is very good. still a good watch. And the review is still a good listen. So I recommend still checking those out. But as far as her being a political correspondent or us doing stuff for the 2024 election, that is no longer happening. And again, I'm not going into detail about it because it's nobody's business. And like I said, she hasn't badmouthed me, so I'm not going to badmouth her. Because as you guys know, I am a defensive trash talker. I don't talk shit about people unless they talk shit about me. So as long as she's still a professional, I will remain professional. I'm just only bringing it up here because I want the Boochcast fans to know why going forward she will not be making any more appearances on the show. So I'm just bringing that up. That being said, now we're going to move on to the stuff we actually want to talk about here on the Boochcast. And... Uh, If you can tell from the uh, opening song that we played, and I do want to take this moment to say, if for whatever reason this is not the opening song, it's because I got hit with a copyright thing and had to change it. But provided the copyright (laughs) did not get hit with anything, um, our opening song for this was, of course, Try That in a Small Town by Jason Aldean. And I know, Zach, you uh, you definitely put this on this list. You had some shit to say, so uh, I'll let you go on this one. Yeah, uh, this right here, guys, means a couple of months ago, he, uh, Jason Aldean, a country singer from Georgia, and I always liked Jason Aldean, uh, put us out Try That in a Small Town. For some strange-ass reason, the fucking evil pieces of shit on The View said this was a racist song. Go Fuck yourselves. But what he's trying to say is don't bring your bullshit protesting to a small town. Not southern, 
USA, all small town America. That's basically what he was trying to say. I listened to his song a couple of times. I get it. There's nothing wrong with it. Even Vinny agree. Even Gator agree. Like, yeah, you guys suck. All right, Vinny, your thoughts. Well, the thing is simple. Like you said, it's small town thinking. And again, people like to misconstrue how lyrics sound. Basically, they're talking about all the stuff that has happened over the last several years with all the riots and the violence. The problem is the left endorses the riots and the violence. Because of the fact that they're doing this over, like, police brutality. At least that's what they say. Because my big question, if this is about police brutality, why aren't you attacking the police station? Why are you attacking fucking buildings and innocent people and destroying businesses? How does that uplift anybody? And then they say, well, you know, sometimes you got to make a statement. Sometimes you can't always be nice. And, you know, this is how we get shit done. And then wonder why the thing on January 6th took place. It's the same concept. Is that the only difference is they were people that were mad at the government and they took that shit to the government. But yet when that happened, all of a sudden everybody was scared and frightened and nervous. That's why I said it's the worst case of Stockholm syndrome I ever fucking heard in my life. You're not sad that innocent people's livelihoods and buildings and towns and everything were burned to the fucking ground, but you're mad that a bunch of Congress people who don't give a fuck about us at all got attacked. You're more scared about that? That makes you nervous? Not the looting and the rioting happening in your own fucking neighborhood? Like, do you realize how fucking stupid you sound? You notice, though, with all these riots and shit, they're happening in major cities. Like Atlanta and Baltimore and else. They go in the city. Because the cities tend to be more liberal. As opposed to the small towns that are more conservative. And that's why they're saying, if you do this in a small town, the small town people are going to fucking shoot you. They're not going to put up with your shit. That's why they're saying, see how far you make it down the road. If you try this in a small town, some point, someone in a small town is going to have a gun and they go shoot your ass. If you try this shit and then they say, around here, we take care of our own. This is where people get the racism confused. Because when people here say, we take care of our own, they automatically assume that that means white people. White people taking care of white people. Or black people taking care of black people. Taking care of our own. Now, in some cases, that is true. But not in this song. In a small town, when they say take care of our own, it means they take care of the other people who live in a small town. There's no race or gender or sexual orientation attached to that. Because if you live in a small town, almost everybody knows everybody in a small town. That's why it's called a small town. You'd be hard-pressed to find people in a small town who don't know each other. The neighbors talk to each other. You go to the same places. Like, mostly in a small town, you got one school. All the kids go to that one school. You've got one barbershop. Everybody goes there to get their hair cut. You know, you got one salon. You got pretty much one of everything. There's a supermarket in that small town that everybody goes to shop for their groceries. When they have town hall meeting, almost everybody goes to them. In a small town, everybody knows each other, and you either like the person or you don't. But for the most part, in a small town, you're all family. That's what it means to take care of our own. It can also have other connotations. Like, for example, in the military, if you're a soldier in the military and you see another soldier in the military, you consider yourselves to be brothers because you went to war together. You fought together. So it's like, hey, we're military men. We take care of our own. They talk about taking care of each other. Hell, even in the wrestling business, the wrestling business is a brotherhood. So it's like we take care of our own. We take care of fellow workers. 
Or if you ever saw The Ranch, when um, Bo Bennett was going to help out, I can't remember the girl's name. She was the one that ran the major fucking company. Yeah. You know, he was willing to help Rocky. He said, we're ranchers. We take care of our own. That's what that shit means. And that's what he's talking about there. They take care of each other in a small town. That's why they're saying, don't fuck with us in a small town. Don't bring this shit down here because we will kill you. And it's you away at least. Yes, and it's about protecting their homes, protecting their town from people who want to burn shit to the ground. So no, the song is not racist, and the song does not encourage violence. The song encourages people to protect themselves from violence, because regardless of what your reason is, if you're vandalizing and destroying property, you are causing violence. Because to you, that business might not mean anything. But for the person who owns it, that's how he feeds his family. That's how he keeps a roof over his head. And now he has to worry about taking care of his family. Because you have this level of fucking arrogance that your life is of value. And guess what? Not everybody's lives are valuable. I'm sorry to be the one to break it to you. That's why one time, you know, I was, I was talking about this on a show and somebody said, man, I bet that kid wants to use all lives matter so badly. And it's like, no, I've never used that word because to me, all lives matter is the dumbest fucking thing I ever heard in my life. You know why? Because all lives don't matter. Because I can tell you three lives right now that don't mean a fuck to me. Murderers, rapists, and child molesters. I, I can give a fuck less if they live or die. Preferably, I want those people to die. And if you're offended by me saying that, someone needs to check your hard drive. That's all I got to say about that. All right, so now I'll get off this rant. We'll get into some other fun topics here before we get to other serious shit. Um, Zach and I got to talk about this story. A while back, this is a, keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, this is a long, long time ago. Long, 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 long time, time ago. I think this was the day we did the Your Age Does Not Expire episode because we were at a gas station and Zach had to go get some beer. Shocker. And we're in the gas station and apparently... Zach's ID did not work in getting him his beer because his ID expired. And I'm like, okay, well, I understand the ID's expired, but the age is still the same. He's clearly in his 30s. Like, an ID can expire. Your age doesn't. Like, you're still legal age. So I'm like, all right, fine. So I'm like, okay, here's my ID. And he goes, well, once it passes across the table, I can't sell it. And I'm like, you fucking jackass. So we walk the fuck out of there. Eventually, we're getting in the car. We're getting ready to leave. All of a sudden, we see this dude coming out of the gas station wearing pink Crocs. First of all, the fact that he's wearing Crocs was bad enough. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No grown man should be wearing Crocs. They're a horrible fucking shoe, and I do not endorse them at all. Also, it's a grown man wearing pink. Yeah. I saw this right here, because like, I was like, and I went get it. I was like, there's no God. I was like, what the fuck? We just looked at each other. We're like, seriously? Is this what this country has come to, or the world? That's okay for where the guy to wear Crocs are even pink? So the sad, sad strains of the world. A sad strains of the man. You very well. It's the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. I was like, oh my God. God. And I've, I've always said, the only thing tough about a guy wearing pink is his ability to take it up the ass. I'm sorry. Oh no. We're going to get letters. We're going to get letters. No, fuck that. We don't get letters. We get emails. That's what we're going to get. We're going to get emails and everything else. Do we care? No, we don't. Fuck off, asshole. <laughs> Not really at this point. I got fuck all to lose at this point. But um, basically, but yeah, we do have an email. Actually, it's boochcast365 at gmail.com. So B-C-K-S-C-O-T-T at gmail.com for me. It's basically Zach without the A. 
Okay, I was trying to give them the Boochcast email, yeah, but wanna, you can email Zach directly, I guess, if you want to cuss him out. Yeah, go right ahead. I'll be like, okay, ignore. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, that was the dumbest shit I ever saw in my life. Like, okay, I'm sorry. That was disturbing. Then, of course, we had another thing that went down. This actually was earlier this year for me. Obviously, Maria came to town. And I know um, Maria has gone through some shit. She went through a divorce uh, earlier this year. And um, obviously, in the beginning, I know it was causing some issues between the two of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we said some things to each other. It took us a long time to recap, uh, to reconnect, but we did yesterday. We, we squ- uh, talked for a good 20 minutes, and everything squashed. Yeah, I, I know that um, I saw her uh, back in January. Uh, she was visiting to, um, apparently she had to deliver some of Ryan's stuff to him. Yeah, uh, in the midst of everything that was going on. So she kind of stayed for a weekend, and, you know, Maria and I hung out, and I'll just say uh, she was single again, so uh, some fun was to be had. Um, and But what was really interesting was at one point, um, we were hanging out with uh, Steven because mm-hmm. he, was, he was having some kind of dart thing, and Maria was going to say hi, and I hadn't talked to Steven in a while. But what was even more awkward was the fact that, you know, Steven and Andrea got back together, and, uh, you know, Andrea came by to say hi to Maria and hang out. And it was weird because it was the first time in 10 years that Andrea and I were in the same room, let alone speaking. And I will say, at first I was very uncomfortable because I didn't know how the conversation was going to go. Because obviously, for any regular guys fans out there, you know, 10 years ago, Andrea and I dated. Uh, we broke up around August. And I've gone on record saying it was the most painful breakup I ever had. Like, it fucked with me really badly. And at the time, she had married this jack off named Eli and I'm gonna say that I don't give a fuck if I offend anybody he was a piece of shit and the whole time they were married I couldn't be around her I even un- I didn't unfriend her but I unfollowed her because I couldn't see any of her more of her posts and I just couldn't bring myself to be around them because that's how heartbreaking it was but Eli has since passed away ding dong the prick is dead and again I'm gonna say it don't care if I offend anybody and she and Steven got back together because she and Steven had dated like two years before Andrea and I did. So they kind of reconciled, got back together. And everybody was asking me if I was going to be able to handle it. And the answer is yes, I've been able to handle it. And the reason is because, like I said, there was a transition period between breaking up with me and dating Steven. Now, if, she, if Eli was still alive and they were still married, I couldn't be anywhere near her. Because all I'd be thinking about is wanting to beat the shit out of Eli. That'd be the only thought running through my goddamn mind. Because that's the guy she left me for. Steven, she didn't leave me for. And enough time had passed to where I was over it. So Andrea and I had a great conversation. At one point, it was the two of us sitting at a table. And we just kind of talked. Talked about the past. Talked about what we've been through. And then we just had this emotional conversation. And by the end of it, any issues between me and Andrea were instantly water under the bridge. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. So it's good to hear. So we're able to go onward and upward. And so I still, I've talked to her a few times since then, but not really. And then, of course, uh, Steven dropped the bombshell on us. That they're about to have a kid. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And I was like, oh, really? Congratulations. Which means you and I are the only uh, two people in the group who's not married, who's not in a relationship, that doesn't have kids. Yeah. and It's wonderful, isn't it? Yes, it's paradise. But I remember he hit me with that. But here's the th- weird thing about when Stephen called me about that was he said, I'm going to be a dad. Now, the fact that he was going to be a dad wasn't what confused me. What confused me was he said, I'm going to be a dad and that's it. That's all he said. It's like, dude, we're guys. I need more information. Because if you tell one of your friends that you're going to be a dad, you have to provide proper context so we can give a proper response to the statement. Like, I need to hear, I'm going to be a dad. I'm so happy. I'm going to be a dad. My life is over. I'm going to be a dad. 
I hope Andrea doesn't find out. Like, what direction is this story going, right? That's what I need to know. Yeah. So, finally, I asked him, I said, okay, uh, how do we feel about this? He goes, dude, I'm excited. I'm over the moon. I can't wait. So, I'm like, all right, congratulations. See, that's what I need to know. Are we happy about this? Are we not happy about this? Because, Zach, I think you can agree. If I called and said I'm going to be a dad. I don't need more details. Well, no, but I think you can assume that it's not a happy day. Not for you, no. <laughs> Trust me, I've had, I've had maybe two or three pregnancy scares in my life and all three of them scared the fucking shit out of me terrified me to death i was like oh god my life is over i'm ruined i'm ruined 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 that's not how you say that what i'm saying my life would be ruined i'm not having this conversation with you moving on ah somebody just shoot me speaking of just shoot me Um, that's another thing uh, I want to talk about on the show is, um, Zach and I have got, have, um, you know, from time to time we binge watch certain TV shows together and a while back I binge watched this on my own, but then I found out Zach liked this and now we're kind of watching it together a little bit and that's of course the show Just Shoot Me. Yeah. With, uh, David Spade and who else? Wendy Malick who played uh, Nina Van Horn and also played the, the lady who ran the ranching corporation on the ranch when Bo said we'll take care of her own. She played that. There's uh, Laura San Giacomo who played Maya. Uh, George Segal played Jack Gallo. Enrico Colantoni played Elliot. And then uh, Chris Hogan played Wally Dick and Brian Poshane played Kevin Liotta. Yeah, and uh, David Spade played the funniest character on that show by far. Yes, and then Rebecca Romaine played Adrian Barker. So yeah, and basically uh, the show lasted seven seasons. It lasted about seven seasons, and it aired from March 4th, 1997, ooh, my birthday, to November 26th, 2003. And overall, I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed it very, very tremendously. There were some episodes that were kind of like, eh. And not every episode is going to be fantastic. Exactly. But the one thing I thought was weird was they put Maya and Elliot together and then broke them up. Yeah. Over a commitment phobe kind of thing. And I'm like, that was a stupid storyline. Mm-hmm. You would think by that point that you're going to propose to somebody, you would have an idea of what the fuck you're going to do. You would be over that shit by the time you got there. Maybe have some character development. But instead, they just fucked the whole thing. So I thought that was ridiculous. I mean, Nina Nina changed somewhat. Dennis, I don't feel like ever did. No, she, he did it. And just everything just... It's one of those shows that it had its ups and downs, and then at one point it was really high up, and then it just went really, really far back down. But of course, uh, David Spade, I think, was the funniest person on the show. Yes, he was. Yes. The way he uh, was like, you know, the right-hand man of Jack, and sometimes Jack didn't appreciate it, and then sometimes Dennis would just have meltdowns. Yeah, that's true. And fucking cuss him out. Tried so hard to get laid, and every girl that looked at him was like, uh, don't even fucking try, don't even think about it. And then he marries that hot model. And he married a hot model in the end? Not in the end, but they were married for a little while. Like for what, a week? Uh, a couple a couple episodes, maybe, or may- maybe a season and a half. I can't remember, but I know that Dennis was married for a while, but then the marriage wasn't working out because they realized it was all like there was there was nothing there or whatever. But it was weird. But overall, like I said, just shoot me. Huge fan of it. Enjoyed it immensely. And then I know um, Zach threw a couple of uh, topics my way that he wanted to get into. Uh, apparently, Zach, you've become a huge fan of Ricky Gervais. Oh my God, his fun- he is funny as shit. Because you ever realize every time he does not smile one time, he has that dead. Pain, sensing you, and it's fucking great, and it's mean as shit sometimes, too. Jeez. 
Oh yeah. He's fucking hilarious. I'm over there. I can't. I don't put Ricky Gervais on on this Bluetooth. I was having my headphones, just saying I don't want to get fired. But that dude's fucking hilarious. I'm always giggling and chuckling back there. Like, what the hell are you listening to? It was like Ricky Gervais, and a lot of people like him. Like, yeah, he's funny as shit. Yeah, you know, he talks about religion, but he does it in a nice way. Like, he's not a dick about it. He's like, people are like, you don't believe in God? He's like, no, not even a little bit. He goes, no. He said, why don't you pray in case there is a God? He goes, I don't know. Why don't you put garlic on your door in case it's a Dracula? You know, that doesn't make any sense. And he said, but I have a lot of religious friends. I have a lot of Christian friends and Muslim friends and Jewish friends. And a lot of times something bad happens to me, they'll say, I'll pray for you. And I say, thank you, because it's a nice gesture. Like if someone has cancer and they say they'll pray for me, I appreciate it. He goes, but then, but if they also said, then we also cancel the chemotherapy. I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. Let's just have, let's pray, fill your boots, son. But let's have the prayer and the chemotherapy. Cause that's basically the same thing as doing the chemotherapy. <laughs> but yeah, I've been a fan of Ricky Gervais for years. Like he pretends to have like an ego and stuff and he's very, very hilarious. That is very, very true. Sir. Very, very true. Sir. Yeah. He, like he made fun of, um, Caitlyn Jenner and he said like, you know, I've, you know, I've changed a lot over the last year. Not as much as Bruce Jenner, obviously. And people got mad at him because he said Bruce. And they're like, well, yeah, that's what his name used to be. And then he later, and then even in the, after the jury, he goes, yes, obviously Caitlyn Jenner. He goes, um, you know, he's done a lot for trans people. Didn't do much for women drivers. <laughs> and again, he just keeps nailing everybody. Because he's not afraid to be offensive. And that's what I love about Ricky Gervais. Like, he's very much a badass as far as that goes. But it says here, uh, his special draws criticism for graphic, dangerous, transphobic jokes. That's what the article says. And here it says, Ricky Ricky Gervais is taking a note from Dave Chappelle's book. The comedian's latest Netflix comedy special, Supernature, is drawing criticism from LGBTQ activists who say the comedian is punching down on the transgender community. This after last year's debacle over Chappelle's anti-trans joke on his special The Closer that created a slew of problems for the streaming giant, including an employee-staged walkout. Like, people actually walked out and got mad over this, and Netflix was basically like, grow the fuck up. And that's why I like Netflix. They're like, we're not taking Dave Chappelle down. Y'all go fuck yourselves. Criticism isn't new to Gervais. In fact, he was fully expecting it this time around. Last week, the comedian was a guest on Jim Norton and Sam Roberts' show, where he opened about the potential backlash for the special My Brain Goes. To me, there's nothing controversial in it, in that, because it's just jokes. Gervais said of the transphobic jokes at the time. I even explained what irony is at the beginning of the fucking show, and everyone there, I don't know how many people I played to, half a million people, no complaints. They laughed at all the things, right? Everyone's gonna complain about everything in it. Every single line, someone's going to complain. Either because they hate it, they don't get it, it's coming after. He continued, here's the thing about comedy. I can list 20 taboo subjects. Everywhere in the world laughs at 19 of them and hates the one that affects them. In Supernature, Gervais makes shows about the trans community within the first five minutes. He goes, oh, women. Comedian said at the beginning of the special, not all women, I mean the old-fashioned one. The old-fashioned women, the ones with wombs. I love the new women, he continued. They're great, aren't they? The new ones we've been seeing lately, the ones with the ones with beards and cocks, they're as good as gold. I love them. And now the old-fashioned ones say, oh, they want to use our toilets. Why shouldn't they use your toilets, ladies? For ladies. God, ladies. Look at their pronouns. What about this person? Isn't a lady? Well, his penis. Her penis, you fucking bigot. What if he rapes me? What if she rapes you? You f fucking turf whore. Turf, a trans-exclusionary radical feminist, has been used to describe a feminist who believes that biological sex determines gender, which contradicts the argument trans and non-binary activists have made in recent years to affirm their resistance. That gender identity is more complex and nuanced than one's biological sex. It's not. The comedian whose second Netflix comedy special, Armageddon, is set to release later this year, also poked fun at trans people later in the special when discussing Kevin Hart removing himself from hosting the Austin 2018 after a series of past homophobic tweets resurfaced. You can't predict what will be offensive in the future, Jervis said of Hart's backlash from queer activists 
activists, you don't know who the dominant mob will be. Like, the worst thing you can say today, get you canceled on Twitter, death threats, the worst thing you can say today is, women don't have penises, right? Now, no one saw that coming. You won't find a 10-year-old tweet saying women don't have penises. You know why? We didn't think we fucking had to. While pretending to struggle in finding names of female comedians, Gervais called out trans comedian actress Izzy Izzard, who uses she-her pronouns, which we see last from the audience. She's brilliant, isn't she? She's not only a great comedian, she's also a great actress, isn't she? She was brilliant in that thing as that man. He also wondered what life would be if he were a teenager in today's woke times, during which he said he would self-ID as trans because it would be trendy. I'd have a big fanny. I'd be a real woman. I'd be a little lesbian fellow called Vicky Gervais. I'd probably be a butch lesbian because of all the testosterone till then. <laughs> Gervais circled back towards the end of the special saying, full disclosure, in real life, of course, I support trans rights. I support all human rights and trans rights are human rights. Live your best life. Use your preferred pronouns. Be the gender that you feel you are. But me me halfway lazy-handed. Lose the cocks. That's all I'm saying. Following the release of the special, many Twitter users aired their grievances over Gervais's remarks. Glad, the leading organization advocating for LGBTQ acceptance and visibility across all media, said the stand-up special is full of graphic, dangerous, anti-trans rants masquerading as jokes. The organization further stated that Gervais spouts anti-gay rhetoric. Netflix has a policy that content designated to incite hate or violence is not allowed on the platform, but we all know that anti-LGBTQ content does exactly that. Glad wrote on Twitter. While Netflix is home to some groundbreaking LGBTQ shows, it refuses to reinforce its own policy and comedy. The LGBT community and our allies have made it very clear that so-called comedians who spew hate in place of humor and the media companies who give them a platform will be held accountable, the organization added. Meanwhile, there are plenty of funny LGBTQ comedians to support. Not very many. Jacqueline Moore, writer and showrunner of Dear White People, added, I love how Netflix is so in favor of freedom of speech. That's why in addition to Chappelle and Gervais, they've had so many prominent trans projects come out in this past year. Oh shit, they haven't? So they really just like one kind of speech on that, I guess. Others came to the star's defense, like one who tweeted, surprise, Ricky Gervais, new comedy special receiving black eyes for offending people. Ricky Gervais put a bet. Just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Blair White, a trans female YouTuber, also spoke out in support claiming the community has been instrumental for her success. I'm a trans guy. Just watch Supernature. Fucking hilarious, one fan wrote. Meet me halfway late, lose the clocks, have me in stitches. As someone who does cop a lot of that shit in real life, your clarification that you believe trans rights are human rights were appreciated. Comedic legend. Comments and criticism continue to grow on Twitter as some praise Gervais for being an example of free speech. Will those call him out for spreading misinformation and potential violence against the trans community? Okay, I'm going to say this right now because it needs to be said, okay? Comedians, do not incite or influence violence, okay? Let's, let's, let's make this clear right here, right now. A comedy show does not lead to violence. The only time a comedy show has ever come close to exciting violence is when some drunken piece of shit in the crowd gets offended by something stupid and tries to attack the comedian. That's the only time. No one else in an audience has ever had to be concerned for their safety during a comedy show, except the actual comedian that was on the fucking stage. Proof positive of that. Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Dave Chappelle getting tackled on stage. I've even seen some open mics where fans got offended by something stupid and a fight broke out. But as far as a comedian, no comedian has ever gone on stage and said that trans people deserve to die or gays deserve to die or minorities deserve to die. That's never fucking happened. Never happened. If you don't like the comedian, don't go see him or her. This is what you do. If somebody says something that you're offended by, this is what you do. You quietly get up and you walk out the fucking door. That's all you have the right to do. I said that a million times. I've even said with comedians, if you see someone getting up and leaving, let them go. Don't start shit. Just let them leave. And I'm going to take a stance right now and I'm going to say this. I'm glad that Ricky Gervais, you know, said some nice things about trans people at the end of the show to clarify that the things you're doing are just jokes. 
But if you really want a hot controversial take, I'll give you one. I don't believe trans rights are human rights at all. There is not a single right that trans people are fighting for that is a human right. You're fighting for your right to play make-believe. That's what you're doing. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. You can live your life however you want. If you believe that you are a woman and you want to dress up like a woman and go get surgeries and take some, you know, estrogen hormones and change who you are and you're a grown-ass adult, go right ahead. Same thing with women. If you believe you're a man, you want to take all the testosterone, you want to change shit about you and get operations or whatever, go ahead. Live your life however you want. I don't have a problem with it. I'm not going to give a shit. I've met trans people. I've met drag queens. I've met multiple people in those areas. Never had a problem with any of them. Always been civilized. I can talk to a trans person all day. Hell, in my old D&D group, there was a trans woman in the D&D group, and we still get along. We don't talk every day. I only see them when I go to Desmond's house for certain parties and shit, but we get along. No animosity, no hate, no fights. Do I agree with his lifestyle choices? Not necessarily, but it's none of my fucking business. He's a grown-ass adult making grown-ass decisions. As long as he doesn't start shit with me, I will never start shit with her. We cool. We solid. Live your life however you want. But just because you want to live that life does not mean I have to endorse it or the rest of the world has to endorse it. I don't have to address you as anything, okay? You don't deserve to use the girls' bathroom. You don't deserve to play in the women's division of sports. If you get arrested, you don't deserve to go to a women's prison. And most importantly, you have no right whatsoever to drag children into your fucking cause. No child should be making gender decisions like this. No child. Keep in mind, these are children who aren't even old enough to have sex, but they're old enough to choose their sex. I mean, seriously, bring some logic into this fucking conversation for once. That's why we have a thing called child molestation. Now, just to be clear, I am not saying trans people molest children. They don't. Well, most of them don't. Some do, some don't, but overall, it, they don't go hand in hand is what I'm saying. But the reason we have child molestation is because children are not old enough to give consent to have sex. That's why if you have sex with a child, it is considered child abuse. Hell, if you even touch a child below the belt, it can be considered child abuse. Unless there's some extenuating circumstance. Like if you have a child and you're washing your child. Or if you're disciplining your child and you spank them when they're bad. You know, that's one thing. But we actually have these laws in place because children are not old enough to give consent. But you're telling me they can consent to choosing their sex. They're not even old enough to smoke. They're not old enough to drink. They're not old enough to drive. Most of these kids are still trying to learn their fucking ABCs and one, two, threes. But they're old enough to decide whether or not they want to be a boy or a girl. And some places will actually do this shit behind parents' backs and not even tell them. Which is stupid because most of the time in school, you're not even allowed to give a kid an aspirin without parental consent. Because that's the key thing, ladies and gentlemen. If someone is under the age of 18, you need consent from a parent to fucking do anything with a child. And I will say this. If you're a parent and you would give consent to your child going on puberty blockers or hormones, you are a piece of shit and you deserve to lose your kid. I'm serious. I would call, if I found out someone was doing that to their kids, Child Protective Services, I would have them on the phone in a heartbeat. I will make that phone call because that is child abuse to do that to a kid. Now, when you're an adult, make the decision you want to make. That's why I said I didn't have a problem with the guy in my D&D &D group 
because he's making an adult decision that he wants to be a woman. And I respect it. He's an adult. You don't let kids do this shit. That's why I'm glad Kentucky has this ban out. You know, U.S. judge, let's Kentucky enforce ban on transgender youth care. This is back when July, so hopefully this is still standing. But a federal judge in Kentucky ruled Friday that the state can enforce its law banning the use of puberty-blocking drugs and hormones for transgender children while it appeals his earlier order blocking the law. Last month, U.S. District Judge David Hale found that the ban likely violated the U.S. Constitution. However, it's said that he had to put his order on hold because the federal appeals court hearing the case recently paused a similar order in Tennessee. Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, a Republican, in a statement called Hale's decision a win for parents and children. The law is being challenged by families of transgender children who say they will be irreparably harmed by losing access to medical treatments. Hale's decision is not the final word. We will remain optimistic that with a full briefing we will achieve a positive result. American Civil Liberties Union of Kentucky Legal Director Corey Shapiro, one of the lawyers representing the family, said in a statement, Kentucky and Tennessee are among the 20 states, all Republican-controlled legislatures, that have passed laws banning use of puberty blockers and hormones as part of their gender transition for patients under 18. Such treatments known as gender-affirming care are supported by major U.S. medical associations. Proponents of the ban say they are experimental and endanger children. No shit, motherfucker. The now reinstated Kentucky and Tennessee laws were both blocked by federal judges on June 28th in response to lawsuits by families of transgender children. The families say the laws discriminate against transgender people and take away parents' rights to make medical decisions for their children. On July 8th, the 6th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, which hears cases from both states, granted Tennessee's motion for an emergency order reinstating the law while it appeals. Hale said that Friday that despite its difference, his difference of opinion with the appeals court, he found no basis for treating Kentucky's case differently. The 6th Circuit said it would consider the two cases together and aim to decide them by September 30th. Federal courts in Arkansas, Alabama, Florida, and Indiana have blocked similar bans on transgender health care for minors. And that's the key thing here. These are minors. And the fact that people here sitting here saying that this would cause damage, harm by losing access to medical treatments. Well, here's my message to those people. Your kids shouldn't have been on this in the first place. Again, you don't do this to children. Why do you think when a mom is pregnant, she's not allowed to smoke or drink? Because it fucks with the growth of the child. That's why they also say, child can't have cigarette, child can't have beer. Sometimes, depending on your parent, you might get away with a sip or two. But as far as actually chugging beer on a regular basis, kids don't do that. Or not supposed to do that. You don't smoke around a baby. You don't do things around a baby because it can affect their growth because they're still developing. That's why babies are fragile. And adults aren't really. You know, there's certain ways where you can trip and fall and you just hurt yourself. But a baby can do that same trip and fall and break something. A broken leg on a child is way worse than a broken leg on an adult. Why? Because you're still developing. You don't fuck with kids this way. No child is old enough to make decisions like this. And no child should have to make stupid fucking decisions like this. And that's why I say it again. If you're an adult and you want to do this shit, go ahead. But you leave the kids alone. And it's because of this that the trans community is losing whatever support they got. They lost it. There's even members of the gay community that are trying to distance themselves from the trans people because they've completely lost their fucking minds. This is fucking psychotic. And it is cruelty to children. And I say it before and I'll say it again. If you're a parent and you're doing this to your child, you are not fit to raise a child. Your child should be taken away from you and you should be in jail. Because again, I don't care what the kid says. No child is old enough to make a gender choice. No child is old enough to make any kind of adult choice. Why? Because they're fucking children. They don't know shit. I don't care how high of an IQ your child has. He might load some shit in textbooks. But as far as the rest of the world goes, he don't know shit about fuck. Because there's certain things you only learn when you become an adult. And you have to learn them by going through life. Because school doesn't teach life lessons. They just teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. 
They used to teach life lessons. They should definitely teach more of them, but they're not going to. And shit like this is why I don't have sympathy for the education system going in the toilet. Because if teachers are going to do this kind of shit, I don't want my tax dollars to go towards education. This is why most kids nowadays are in private school instead of public school. Because in the private school, you don't have to put up with this shit. Only in the public school does this shit fucking happen. I mean, I really do not care what happens with that. I do believe if you want to become a man or a woman, just wait till you turn 18. That's all I have to say about that. I don't care what goes on with that. He apparently cares. I really don't. You want to become a man? Okay. You want to become a little lady? Okay. I don't know why. I want to stick as a being a dude. That's all I have to say. Well, obviously, we agree that adults can make whatever decision they want. But at the very least, you got to agree... They shouldn't be doing this shit to fucking children. No, they shouldn't be doing the children. Just wait till you're eight. Just wait. I'm going to do it. Not wait till you're 18, and I don't care what you do. All right, well, earlier I talked about Tennessee, so we'll just jump to Tennessee right now because apparently a while back there was a shooting in Tennessee. And apparently, here's a little blast from the past here, Zach. We have Melissa Joan Hart. Mm. Says here, Nashville parent Melissa Hart reveals that she helped students escape the school shooting. Enough is enough. Melissa Joan Hart shared a close encounter with victims of the Nashville elementary school shooting, which left seven dead, including the shooter on Monday. My kids go to school right next to a school where there was a shooting today. The actress best known for her childhood roles in Clarissa Explains It All and Sabrina the Teenage Witch said in a video posted on social media. We moved here from Connecticut where we were in a school a little ways down from Sandy Hook. So this is our second experience with a school shooting with our kids being in close proximity. Hart and her husband Mark Wilkerson have three sons. Mason who's 17, Brandon who's 15, and a 10 year old named Tucker. Luckily we are all okay but my husband and I were on our way to school for conferences and luckily our kids weren't in today and we helped the class of kindergartners across a busy highway that were climbing out of the woods. They were trying to escape the shooter situation at their school so we helped all these tiny little kids cross the road and get their teachers over there and we helped a mom reunite with her children. The actress's voice broke as she teared up. I don't want to say anymore, Hart said. It is just enough is enough. And just pray, pray for the families. She noted in the caption that while she had filmed her video on Monday following the shooting, she didn't feel comfortable sharing until Tuesday. It was, she explained, just too raw to share then. Hart promised that she would be taking action, and she's done so before. Back in 2016, she joined other parents, including actress Julianne Moore, in a protest in favor of gun control on New York's Brooklyn Bridge. She told Glamour Magazine in December 2020 that her family had planned to live a laid-back lifestyle in the Tennessee capital. Nashville's the closest to to a city we've been in a long time. We really like to be out in the outskirts. The kids like to be out in the woods and climbing trees and catching frogs. I grew up that way, so I want them to as well. In addition to heart, Music City is home to Mickey Guyton, Cheryl Crow, and many other familiar names who've also had something to say about the upsetting event. Man, I saw this right here. I saw was this um, trans person did all this horrible shooting and the process of it. The fucking person is fucking dead. And good fucking risk. Go over and shoot the school because you're not happy with life. Fuck you and go fuck yourself too. But I did not know Melissa Hart was this close to it. Well, I learn something new every day. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, a lot of other people have voiced their opinions, like Leanne Rhymes and everything else. And, you know, they're talking about praying for Nashville. And, you know, that's mostly what they're saying here is about praying for Nashville or no words. Our children deserve better. Uh, whoa, Cheryl Crow, 61? Mm-hmm. I didn't fucking know that. That chick do not look 61. And then uh, Mickey said, I try to stay off here for my mental health, but for the love of God as a mother, I'm pissed the fuck off. Shame on every single politician okay with doing nothing as children are getting assassinated on an everyday basis in a place that is supposed to be their safe haven. So only one person made it political so far. <laughs> Everybody else was just kind of like, you know, praying for people. And basically here's the context of everything that happened. 
Um, it says here, on March 27th, 2023, a mass shooting occurred at the Covenant School, a Presbyterian church and American parochial elementary school in the Green Hills neighborhood of Nashville, Tennessee. When 28-year-old Aiden Hale, born Audrey Elizabeth Hale, a transgender man and former student of the school, killed three nine-year-old children and three adults before being shot and killed by two metropolitan Nashville Police Department officers. The Covenant School is a private Christian school in the Green Hills neighborhood of Nashville. It educates students from pre-kindergarten to the sixth grade. It was founded in 2001 as a ministry in Nashville's Covenant Presbyterian Church, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. Its enrollment is about 200 students. So about 200 students go to the school. Hale drove to the school arriving at 9.54 a.m. Central Time. At 9.57, Hale sent an Instagram message to an old friend saying an earlier post was basically a suicide note and anticipating dying that day. The friend who received the message called a crisis hotline, then contacted the Davidson County Sheriff's Office at 10.13. At 10.11, Hale armed with two rifles and a pistol shot through a set of glass side doors and entered the building. At 10.13, police received a call about an active shooter. When police arrived at the scene, a teacher told an officer that the students were in lockdown and two were missing. Officers entered the building at around 10.23. While clearing the first floor of students and staff, they heard gunshots coming from the second floor. Officers stepped over a victim on the second floor as they made their way to Hale. At 10.25, a five-member team approached Hale, and two officers fired four times each. By 10.27, 14 minutes of the initial 911 call was made, Hale was deceased. In total, Hale fired more than 150 rounds. A reunification center was set up by the MNPD at the Woodmont Baptist Church. Students were taken there by school bus in the afternoon. Six people, three students, and three staff were killed at random. Five were pronounced dead at a hospital, and one was dead at the scene. The students who died were Evelyn DeCoss, William Kinney, and Haley Scruggs, all age nine. The staff who died were substitute teacher Cynthia Peake, custodian Mike Hill, and head of school Catherine Kunitz, or Conance, K-O-O-N-C-E, however the fuck you spell that, pronounce that. Uh, in addition, a police officer cut his hand on shattered glass. Aiden Hale was a Nashville resident with no criminal record. According to a former headmaster of the Covenant School, Hale attended the school when around 10 years of age. MMPD Police Chief John Drake said Hale was under care for an emotional disorder and had legally purchased seven firearms, including three recovered from the shooting scene between October 2020 and June 2022. Police referred to the 28-year-old as a woman and used his birth name, Audrey Elizabeth Hale. On the day of the shooting, MMPD Chief John Drake said that authorities feel that Hale identifies as trans, but we're still in the initial investigation into all of that. Media sources subsequently reported Hale was a trans man. His former art teacher and a former classmate recalled him coming out as transgender on Facebook in 2022. Hale was an illustrator and graphic designer who graduated from Nazi College of Art and Design in 2022. A neighbor said Hale lived with his parents and his classmate said that Hale had a difficult time dealing with the August 22 death of a woman who was possibly a romantic partner or close friend. So it says here two of the shotguns, one of which was sawed off and other evidence were found in the house. Evidence include a detailed map of the school with potential entry points and a manifesto. Hale was believed to have undertaken reconnaissance and had originally considered targeting another location but decided not to carry out the attack due to the level of security on the premises. On April 3rd, police said Hale planned the shooting for months and fired 152 rounds at the school, 126 of them 5.56 rifle rounds and 26 of them 9mm rounds. As of April 14th, the motive for the shooting remains unclear. Hale's surviving writings, including diaries and a planned document, initially called a manifesto, were described by police as rambling and did not reference any specific political or social issues. This is just uh, a horrible, horrible thing that happened. Hopefully this never happens again. The funny thing is, at least Trump didn't get blamed, right? Well, they can. He's not in office. But they still would have done something about it, if he, even if he was or not. Well,
Well, they're going to find some way because everything's going to be his fault. The liberals are never going to take responsibility when a Democrat is president. They just don't. They don't take responsibility and they do everything they can to defend their fearless leader, but then get mad at conservatives who do the same. Like, that's why people who vote Republican or Democrat tend to be the most fucking hypocritical because they always side with their guy no matter what he does but then try to act like they care or give a shit about other people. But there's a few interesting things that I that I noticed here, though. First of all, out of everybody that was killed, obviously the students, it was sad. But out of the staff members, the one I feel sad for the most is Cynthia Peak because she's a substitute teacher. Imagine being a substitute teacher and you get called in on the day of a shooting. How bad do you think the teacher she subbed for felt? Pretty fucking bad, I would say. Like, holy shit, that could have been me. Like, and the custodian, obviously that's sad, and the head of the school. But I'm saying the custodian was going to be there no matter what. The head of the school was going to be there no matter what. Substitute teacher. That's like, that's, imagine, Zach, you have a day off. You get called into work, and that's the day someone comes into the, into the gun with a restaurant. You're like, I didn't have to fucking be here today. You know how many times I got called into work, and I had a really shitty day, and the first thing that popped into my mind was, I didn't even have to fucking be here? Yeah, yeah. Like, why am I here? More money, but still, I understand where you're coming from. But I could have easily avoided all of this if I just didn't answer the phone. Just let it go to voicemail, and kept on watching TV. But here's some other things that I caught. What's that? Obviously, they're saying that it's a trans shooter. And here's the other thing. What is the one thing, Zach, that gets brought up whenever a shooting takes place? Uh, what is that? I don't know. Well, one of which is, you know, there's a stance on gun control, you know, and the gun laws. But what else gets brought up? Bullying? That's one. But what does bullying affect? The mental capacity? There you go. Mental health. That's another thing that gets brought up. You know, most people talk about changing the gun laws and banning certain guns or whatever. But another topic that always gets brought up is the mental health of the person. Now, just to be clear, I don't want any misunderstandings here. I am not saying that trans people are prone to violence. I am not saying that. I want to make that clear. But this does prove the point, in my opinion, that the whole trans thing, something's mentally wrong. And I'm sorry, but there is. If you are a man and you honestly believe you are a woman trapped in a man's body or a man trapped in a woman's body, something is not right with you mentally. And I'm not saying this to make fun of trans people. I'm saying it because it's the truth. That's why most of the time when I look at these trans people, I go, they don't need rights. They need medication and lots and lots of therapy. Something is fucking wrong with you. And I say that in the nicest way possible. I don't mean this in a malicious way, but this should be further proof. Now, I'm not saying the fact that this is a trans man is the only reason for the shooting, but I'll bet it played a role in this person being mentally fucked up because the motives aren't clear. But clearly, there's rambling in a manifesto, so they're clearly off on some mental shit. And that's why I think before you start doing surgeries and, and testosterone and estrogen and all that other stuff, I think you need to go see a therapist. Figure out what the issue is before you do something to yourself. That you might not be able to change or get back. Because there are some people who have been put on puberty blockers or gotten, you know, surgeries and later regretted it. Because they grew up and realized what they thought when they were a kid is not the same when you're an adult. Which, by the way, is every fucking body. You should have a different mindset than when you were a child. As you get older, you know, your thoughts on things change. Your opinions on things change. Whatever opinion you have when you're 12 is not going to be the same opinion you have at 32 or even 22 for that matter. Because if you go your entire life without learning anything different, without having some kind of different perspective, you wasted your life. Everybody has a change of opinion over time on things. It's called life. 
But also, here's another key thing that I caught in this. The reason Aiden, or Audrey, whatever the fuck you want to call him, him or her, you notice that she was considering, or he was considering, a different place? Oh, really? What place was that? They said another location, but decided not to carry out the attack due to the level of security on the premises. So that taps into another argument that we make about how it's a bad idea to be in a gun-free zone. The place had extra security. You know what that means? People with guns. Let's see. This place has people with guns. This place doesn't have people with guns. So I'm going to shoot the people who don't have guns, which further proves that we should have securities at school. Get some trained security guards and have them work at the school and patrol the school. And you give them weaponry to protect the children and the staff. I've even heard some people say you can have the janitor get trained. Like maybe you get a former police officer who's retired. Hire him to be a janitor at the school. He could be Bud the janitor. And he's sitting there mopping up puke, doing his day job, whatever. But if there's a shooter on the premises, Bud the janitor can swing into action because he's trained. Police officers are trained to deal with shit like this. Or get some cops to patrol the school. If you don't want to have a teacher that's trained on how to use a firearm. Because it's say like, you know, arming the teachers. You can do that. Just have some people who are trained. Now, if some teachers don't want to be trained, that's fine with them. Shouldn't be a requirement for the job. But if you know a teacher who is trained on that shit, train them. We have firing ranges. You can go and learn how to shoot. But I do believe kids deserve to be protected. And we need to make that happen. Are you finished? Yeah, and I wish you'd participate. I want nothing to do with this. I don't care about that. Apparently, you did, but I've talked. I said my piece. You just kept on going like the energy. That's all. <laughs> Sorry, right, Zach. You pick the next topic. All right, let's go with Jimmy Carr's stand-up specials. Another brilliant British fucking dude that I love so much. And once again, that's the guy you can't play Bluetooth at work. Now, can you, Vinny? <laughs> no. <laughs> Who's more offended? Ricky or Jimmy? Uh, I want to say Jimmy, because Jimmy really goes for the throat on a lot of his offensive jokes. Like, he's very, very good. But I also know that he is highly entertaining with the stuff that he does and how he delivers and everything else. Like, Jimmy Carr is very much a one-liner comic. Like, he's one of the few people that can do political jokes that are funny. Like, as I mentioned before, one of the things that I, I, I like is, you know, I don't really like political humor very much because, you know, people tend to shove their, comedians tend to shove their political opinions down people's throats and not really try to be funny. But when I hear somebody do a political joke that is funny I laugh and Jimmy Carr has one of the best Trump jokes I ever heard here it is he goes he said Trump first took office little did he know little did he know is that the joke that's what I'm saying. Like, he didn't have a lot of experience. No, he didn't. So that's why he said, little did he know. Yeah, pretty much. Now, Zach, do you think we overreacted to COVID-19? Yes. Well, yeah, a lot of the survivors think so. Yeah, I always thought that uh, Jimmy Carr was always fucking hilarious, too. All right, I'll bring up another subject. Let Vinny know that I did live in England at one time in my life. Yeah, yeah, he brought this up to me one time, like, out of nowhere in a conversation. I thought you knew. No, you never told me. <laughs> And that's why as soon as he did that, I immediately wrote this shit down because all I'm thinking is I got to hear about this. Zach, tell your England story, please. For much. Basically, I was born. I'm a military brat. Both my parents were in the military. To make a long story short, we met in Edwards Air Force in California. A couple of weeks later, we go to Lincoln in a town called Wakingheath. Don't ask me because I don't remember Jack Tilly's squat. But I did remember mom always bitching and complaining about how she defeated the O'Leary's in England. So I don't remember much. But yeah, I did read England on a military base for about three years. 
How old were you? I left when I was about three, maybe. Oh, so you were like a baby baby. Yeah, I, I don't remember nothing. I was... I think if I did live over I might have an English accent, but I highly doubt that. I'm like, why don't you have an English accent? I don't know. Well, you were that's because you were a baby. You weren't around talking to people. You didn't live in that environment. Yeah, that's true. Because when you live in an environment long enough, you pick up an accent. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's the thing. Because like when I first moved down here, people kept telling me I had a northern accent. And it's like, I can't fucking hear it. I don't know what you're talking about. But then I would talk to some friends from up north, like Alex, and she would catch me saying like y'all and stuff. And I would have a southern, uh, like a little bit of a southern thing going on. Because <laughs> I say y'all a lot. And I'm sorry, I just do. Like you live here long enough, you're going to pick some shit up. Yeah. No matter what. Well. You, that's the thing. You pick up mannerisms when you hang out with a lot of people. Like I have a lot of black friends and I hang out with them. So I end up saying certain phrases. Not that one. But certain, you know, you pick up certain phrases like, you know, like, like, hey, Vinny, we're going to go uh, do a bunch of stuff. It's like, yeah, I ain't fitting to do all that. It's like, what he goes, I said, I ain't fitting to do all that. Or something like, and, you know, you just start saying like certain phrases. Like, I'd be like, I or yo, or, you know, what up, G, stuff like that. There's times where I've, you know, I've said a couple of like black phrases because I've hung out with so many black people that it just, it shoots out of me sometimes. I'm not even trying to do it. Yeah, I share that. I hear you on that. So, yeah, I uh, live in Maryland, England. Yes, I play soccer, Vinny, but I don't like to watch it. I'm not that much. Yes. Prep for that. Fuck you. Yeah. Most like a fucking play. At least for soccer players, we can eat whatever the fuck we want. Zach doesn't like watching porn in reverse, but he likes doing. <laughs> but he likes doing porn in reverse. <laughs> I would make fun of wrestling, but I can't do that now, can I? Uh, no. Not if you want to ride home. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. I'm going to start. I want to ask you two random ass questions, Vinny, okay? Okay. Okay. Of all time, what was your favorite breakfast cereal of all time? Wow. My favorite breakfast cereal but of all time. One, I want that one and that one only. Um, I would have to say Golden Crisp was probably my favorite. Um, I liked, uh, I also liked Fruity Pebbles. Still do. Cookie um, Crisp. Cookie Crisp was great. I like that. My brother was more into that. Cocoa Pebbles. Cocoa Krispies. Um, Rice Krispies. Rice Krispies. Hey, you know what? One man always liked. I always liked Raisin Bran. I never got into that. I like Raisin Bran. I always have. Uh, I know uh, Cheerios was another. Um, Frosted Cheerios. I I tried those at one point. I I I used to Frosted Cheerios. I said Frosted Flakes. Frosted Flakes was good too. They were great. You know what's really good when you're stoned as shit? What? Frosted Flakes. Take up some Oreos, crush them up, and put them into the frosted flakes. Oh, dear God. <laughs> How good does that sound? That sounds delicious. <laughs> that is diabetes in a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my buddy Damien said. Dude, that's how diabetic as fuck, man. But I told a couple of kids at work, the college kids, it's like, and my, uh, one of the guys named Zach Kinsley, turning his name. We were working with this guy for years. He was really cool. Guess what he bought me the other day? What? Four cigars and a 12-pack of beer for free. He's like, dude, I'll pay. He's like, nah, don't worry. Yeah. Enjoy your vacation. There was one cereal, though, that I had a love-hate relationship with. Which is what? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. What was your hate for for it? I don't know. Sometimes I would eat it and my teeth would hurt. Okay. And sometimes I ate it and it was delicious. Me, personally, I like them all. I really do. But if I had to pick me one honeycomb. Because I like the little animals. Yeah. I thought the animals fucking hilarious. Remember the, the uh, cartoon sponsors? You had Fred and Barney Rebel. You had the dog. You had Tony the Tiger. You had the frog. You had the bear. You had the uh, silly rabbit. Tricks are for kids. Or back when I was in the military. Sorry, I can't say what I want to say, but I'll say it another day. 
What's wrong? Disclaimer. The following views and events about to be expressed belong solely to Zach and do not reflect the views of the Boochcast or its affiliates. Usually they would say, oh, sorry, you little faggot. Dicks is for chicks. Oh, that's not bad. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that to what, what, you know, I'm just, don't sue us because I don't have jack shit. <laughs> no, in fact, it's not even, here's the thing. And now that you brought that up, it, it's not even that big a deal because, first of all, you're you're quoting something. You're not calling anybody. And also, here's the thing. Uh, I'll, say, I'll say two things right now. First of all, I mentioned earlier in the show that we got a Roseanne Barr video coming out. Uh, in the video, and I can say this, God Batty says the word faggot like five to seven times. So some of it I'm trying to edit. Some of them I, do, I don't know if I'm going to be able to. So I'm just giving you a warning. It's in there. I might put a disclaimer up if I have to, but she says it like five to seven times in the video, which because at the time she was asking if, you know, she can cuss on this show. I'm like, no, this is the Boochcast. You can be you. Yeah, Go out. You can say whatever you want. All right. And then at one time she was going to say the N word and she went like, she said, am I allowed to say that? I said, you can, but I can't because she's black. So she could say it, but I can't. So she went all out with that. So that's the other one. And also, here's the truth. Anytime I've said the word faggot, I've never once used it to insult a gay person. Nah, neither did I. It was always about someone being a jerk or an asshole. It, it fell in that category. I didn't even know until like the early 2000s that it was a gay slur. I never knew that for years. But I heard it so much in the 90s that I knew it was some type of insult. Now, even though I've, now like I said before, I've never used that word to insult a gay person, there's at least one gay person that I would use it towards and that was the guy who fucked over me and buff and also is a sex offender in akron ohio oh, yeah, that's, that's the one guy i would use that fuck him. To, I, that's the one gay person that i would use the word faggot towards and it's not even because he's gay i don't even have a problem with that it's the fact that he fucked a lot of people over and is a fucking child molester so fuck him but anyway i've never used that word to describe other gay people and i would never do that the reason is because there's nothing wrong with being gay at all. You know, it's like the word retard. I've never used it to describe somebody with MS or Down syndrome or things like that because those are things you're born with you can't control. Retard is used to describe fucking stupid people. If I see somebody call a kid who has Down syndrome a retard, I'm going to get pissed. We should be pissed. Motherfucker, I was like, you say that one more time, I'm going to knock your teeth down, you goddamn But mostly... Jack, do not go to jail for something stupid. All right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, I'll cuss the fucker out. And if anyone else know, I am a hothead. This reminds me of I was drinking that night too. Oh, dear God. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, like, no. I was like, like, when I see him and and, and you see they had downstairs and they waved to you, they smiled like, hey, what's up, dude? Exactly. Tell me both did. We think we saw him on the wrestling show. We were not gonna eat What's up? Yeah, we said hello. We were polite. Like, uh, it, it sucks what happened to him. I've been accused of having down syndrome. I'm like, you motherfuckers like 88, you fox. Go fuck yourself. Accused <laughs> that a lot when, when we were still in the 90s. But, retrospect, they didn't know a fucking shit and clue about learning disabilities. Now, here, take a pill. Oh, okay. Yeah, we didn't understand. People were just stupid, and that was it. We didn't. We had to learn all the disabilities. If we had learned them, most kids probably would have gotten a lot much better shot if we understood it better. All right, and uh, another breakfast favorite of mine would be either pancakes or waffles. Benny? Yeah? What was your favorite between the two if you had to pick? Wow. Yeah, I know. I like, oh, crap. Like, no, I like pancakes with the crispy edges. Am I right or am I wrong? Uh, I like them to be soft and fluffy. Fair enough. Now, when it comes to waffles, do you like the Belgian thick fucking waffles? The only waffles... Waffles I get, I've only had two. The Eggo waffles that you put in the toaster, and then there's Waffle House. Their waffles are great. Yeah, Especially with, they get the ones with chocolate chip, huh? Your mom made waffles for you guys when you were kids? Mom mostly made pancakes. Oh, okay. We never really made waffles in the house. But 
but I've gone to Waffle House and they're great. And I actually, I remember when I found out that waffles actually are served with chocolate chips. Because mm. here's the thing that I learned about Waffle House. And I discovered this. It was one time I was at a Waffle House. It was me, Buff Bagwell, and Steve Yu from the DDP Yoga Performance Center. It was a late night. The three of us go to a Waffle House to get something to eat. And while we're there, we find out you, when you go to a Waffle House, they have a menu. It's basically like a flashcard. You flip it over like one side. Yeah. Did you know there's a whole secret Waffle House menu of shit that's not on that menu, but they serve it? And literally, it's the size of the fucking Constitution. It's like rolling out the Declaration of Independence is how big this fucking menu is. And they showed it to me because they found out because one time they went out to dinner with somebody. I'm not going to say their name. Uh, for reasons I don't want to give out. It's not the kitty toucher. It was somebody else. Voldemort? Not Voldemort. It wasn't Voldemort. It was somebody else. I, I can't say the name of the person, but he, you'll know who he is eventually. Um, but they went to Waffle House, and he and this guy knew this this other menu. So I got a, I, I ordered things from that menu that I had never eaten at Waffle House before. I was getting like like cheesesteak, Texas cheesesteak sandwiches or something. It was fucking delicious. Texas bacon cheesesteak? Yeah, that, that yeah. thing. I was like, holy shit. So I ordered all this extra shit, right? So now when I go back, I still usually get my usual order, which used to be a waffle with bacon and white toast. And that's all I would get. And then I, I would usually get the Texas bacon cheesesteak plate, double order hash browns, smothering credit, courtesy of somebody who used to work at Waffle House that is with cheese and grilled fucking onions. And guess what I get on top of them? What? Ranch. Why? It tastes good to me. Okay. Just because you have no fucking taste buds doesn't mean that... Taste buds are not. Who puts ranch on anything that's not salad? Who the fuck eats a hot dog with just plain fucking Jane? Fuck you. Do not be a hypocrite. I'm not being a hypocrite. No, I'm asking a legit question. No, you don't have to put... I don't put... First of all, I'll put whatever the fuck I want, which is nothing. And exactly second of all... the fucking... It still tastes good to me. I don't know what your problem. I'm just saying, no. Why would you put ranch on anything that's not a salad? Makes no fucking sense. But uh, you want to believe what I? I dip pizza in that. I dip pizza bites in it. I'm gonna throw up. I think I'm gonna you throw like up. Like marinara sauce. Hey. Are you kidding me? And you call yourself an Italian? I am. Wait till your dad hears this. <laughs> First of all, I don't need marinara sauce. I'm good where I'm at. You can eat marinara sauce on a pizza, but you can't take a little cup, take a breadstick, and dip it into the marinara sauce all nice and hot. I don't need to dip anything in my pizza. I take the pizza and I eat it. It's all the fuck I need to do. I don't need to dip anything in a pizza. Pizza's fine the way it is. People kept fucking with it. to the fucking flavor, you motherfucker, you. I don't need it. Apparently you do. Yes, I do. It adds to the fucking flavor. Flavor. Hello. <laughs> No, I got the hello from where? Tell. Remember that part with the redhead? He's called a knight's. Hello. I just saw a knight's tail yeah, recently. So hey. I've I haven't watched. I watch, I've only seen it like a couple times, but I saw it recently um, on Netflix. Damn, that's a good movie. It is a very good movie, and how, and then I'm not being gay in any sort of. How pretty was Heath Ledger in that fucking movie? Well, I didn't really look at that, but um. You know, I watched it at the old school, military school, and a couple girls were watching, and she was watching Heath, and all the girls were like, "Oh my god." Because a lot of women like I just like the story. And here's the thing. There was a scene where I damn near almost cried. Yeah, yeah when he read about it with his dad. I, that that wasn't that it. It makes me a little teary. Right there. And the poor bastard was blind, too. So 
Yeah. yeah. How young was he in that movie? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. But the thing was, but the reason he was able to tell was because he had a private conversation with his dad that only he knew. So when he told the story, that's when he realized it was his son. And but the emotional scene for me was at the end when he has that final battle with the guy. Yeah. And. Or before that, when he's getting the thing tied to his arm and they're stalling for time, so the guy gives his introduction. The introduction almost made me cry. God, I'm good. What's this guy's name? I can't remember, but the guy. You know, but he says, but he says, I missed my introduction, and he goes, yeah. and he says, please, I pray you hear it now, for I will lay to rest the grace in my tongue and speak plain. Moments like these are too important to cheaper with heavy-handed words. So I'm afraid, without any ado whatsoever, excuse me, my lord, he's standing up on the chair, there he is, one of your own, born a stone's throw from this very stadium, and here before you now, the son of John Thatcher, Sir William Thatcher! I damn near started crying when he said that shit. In fact, I'm about to cry right now just redoing it. Yeah, and, uh, it was that fucking good. And uh, you know that guy that played him? His name's Paul something. He's also in, uh, he plays, uh, he's in the Marvel movies. He's been in a lot of movies, actually. I don't, like, I don't remember who that is. He's British as shit, though. Yeah, I mean, it was a very good movie. In fact, uh, yeah, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany. Yeah, let me see. I, I'm checking him out right now. Um, yeah, apparently he was in WandaVision, mm -hmm. Legion, Priest, The Da Vinci Code, A Beautiful Mind. He was in uh, Bent, uh, The Land Girls, Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Uh, yeah, he played Charles Herman in A Beautiful Mind, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. Very, very good. He plays a doctor in that one. Yeah, he plays Dr. Stephen Maturian. There's The Reckoning, Dogville, Wimbledon, Firewall, Iron Man, The Secret Life of Bees, The Young Victorian, Iron Man. He, he was an Iron Man as uh, Jarvis. Yeah, his, uh, basically what Jarvis was, really, it was like Iron Man slash Tony Stark's like very, very extremely smart computer. Like, computer was so smart you can actually have a conversation with it like we are now yeah he also played dryden voss and solo a star wars story which is like the han solo origin story have you seen that yet no i haven't is it good it's actually it's his orange swords how solo became han solo how he got the lonely falcon it's a young one and no there's no transients or gay people in it <laughs> well that is a question we have to ask nowadays because yeah, i, know. I Plus, well, it's like an original story. So as long as they don't fuck with Hans, as as long as they don't fuck with Hans Solo or try to make him gay or trans, or whatever. I, don't give me that look. You know they fucking play this shit. You know they would fucking pull this shit. You, you call Hans Solo gay? I'm not saying he's gay. I'm saying they would write a script to turn him gay. I said if they make him gay, not that he is gay. You don't know that. This is 2023. I understand that, but it's not the fucking point. I'm a fan of Han Solo. I don't think he's gay. I'm just saying, as long as they don't fuck with his character, I don't care if there's a gay person in the movie. Just as long as it's not Han Solo or Chewbacca. Keep them exactly the way they fucking were in the original, and we're good. My buddy John can do the can do the the Chewbacca laugh, Chewie laugh. All right. Okay, but yeah, so overall, like we said, you know, Knight's Tale is very good. And um, but yeah, the waffle, the whole waffle concept. I I that's I usually prefer waffles over pancakes. Oh, you mean pancakes over waffles? Huh? You said pancakes over waffles. No, I said my mom made pancakes. Oh, I didn't say waffles over it. Yeah, if I had to choose, I go with waffles. All right, let's move on to a sad, sad note. Unfortunately, people, several months ago, my uh, poor old grandma passed away. She was in her eighties at least, and the bad thing is, really, she had cancer. 
But the cold thing, it, not the cold thing, but she was a sweet, sweet lady. Always gave good advice. Was a published poet, author, artist, everything else. Uh, yeah, typical sweet, sweet, sweet grandma. She really, really was. And uh, after this, as far as I can remember, my grandparents were married for over 67 years. Damn. After they died. Yeah, now she, grandpa's up there with uh, her and grandpa and Jesse are up there right now. Everything's good. Yeah. So I was like, and then people are like, are you going to cry? I was like, it sucks, but kind of like with grandpa. I knew it was coming. It wasn't one of those like shocking deaths like with Jesse. Yeah. Or somebody else. I was young. Like, she was sick and in her fucking 87 years old. And she lived a long life. Like, she's doing much better now. Oh, I know. When my grandma passed, she was 82. But here's the thing. Once you, you reach a certain age with a relative, or depending on how sick they are, you know at some point it's coming, so you prepare yourself for it. That's kind of the key thing, is you're already mourned it by the time they're gone, so that's why it might not hit you at the right time. There might be another moment where all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you just start bursting into tears when it finally hits you. Yeah. yeah that's what hit me with Jesse, and yeah, so I cried for a week, and I was like, no, what? Time to live on with my life. But at some point, you have to. That's the, and that's the hard decision. Here's the thing. Obviously, there's no set timeline. But at some point, you do have to pick up the pieces and move on. And we eventually had to do that when Grandma passed. And it was it was tough. It was very, very tough. But in the beginning, we, we had our heads together because, A, we knew it was coming. And, B, my mother knew that if she got emotional when getting the funeral arrangements made, she would get taken advantage of because people will fucking do that. They will take advantage of you in an emotional state to try to jack up the price on you. And my mother went about to fall for that shit. So she waited until the casket was being lowered into the ground before she started to cry. Like, literally, the casket was being lowered. This guy was singing God Bless America because that was my grandma's favorite song. And we all started crying the moment the casket was being lowered. And we heard, God Bless America. We just started crying right there because finally it was done. All we had to do after that was go to the, I, I hate calling it this, but it's the only word I could think of, reception area. Because afterwards, we had to book a restaurant for everyone to go to to kind of eat and drink and either tell stories about grandma or just talk in general. All right, all right. Because that's usually what you do afterwards. You have the ceremony and there's like usually an after party or whatever. And I hate calling it that because I don't want it to sound like insensitive, but I don't know what else yeah. to fucking call it. Yeah. But it's like after a wedding, you go to the reception where everybody has a party afterwards to celebrate the, the newly married couple. So that's kind of where we're going with that. All and, right, all right. And um, all right, now let's talk about uh, something that Vinny uh, watched and I watched. It's a Chris Rock Selective Outrage uh, Netflix special. Yes. It was fan-fucking-tastic. Really, really good. And um, I will let Big take over on this one because I know he's more in it than this me. It was funny as shit, like his old-school stuff. Where was it at? In Houston? Baltimore. In Baltimore, of all places. Like, why don't you get to New York or L.A. or someplace? Oh, you don't know? Oh, I don't know. So I thought that was funny as shit. Guess who's from Baltimore? I thought Chris Rock was from New York. He is. Who? Jada Pinkett Smith. Oh. Oh. I know that. From good old Baltimore. It was fucking brilliant. It was brilliant. And it was. He did his normal funny stuff. He went and talked about his kids and everything else. And then finally, the last, what, 10 minutes or so, he ripped into Chris Rock. He just go, fuck yourself. He ripped into Will Smith. And fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Drop the mic. Hands up and walked out. All right, Vinny, take it away. Well, here's what happened. Because obviously this was the first time ever that Netflix was live streaming a special. So this was live. Now, I didn't see it live. I saw it encored. Because at the time, Buff and I were in Alabama for the Huntsville Comic Con. So we were there in Alabama doing a show. So I didn't get to see the show until I got home 
late Sunday, and I watched the special when it was on court, and it was epic because everyone's waiting to hear what is Chris Rock going to say. Keep in mind, for a year, he did not speak on that issue. He got slapped by Will Smith at the Oscars, conducted himself professionally, which shocked everybody, and obviously Will Smith has felt the effects from this and deserves every bit of the hatred and the venom that he's getting, and I've said that before. I have no sympathy for Will Smith. I don't forgive what happened. You do I. And the reason I don't is because he has set a bad precedent in the world of comedy because now comedians have to worry about whether or not somebody's going to get on stage and fucking try to smack them or attack them or start some shit, and things have trickled down from that, like Dave Chappelle getting tackled. I saw an open mic where a guy almost got beat up. I saw another guy, another open mic where it was actually that pub that we went to at seven. A guy got thrown out. Not that night, but a night before that, that I was there. I'm just telling you where it was. This has been a very delicate situation. And we were wondering what Chris Rock was going to say about it. And you only got bits and pieces of it because obviously when he was on tour, he was working on the material for it and getting it ready. So some people heard bits and pieces of what he was going to say. But he goes out there and he waits till the very end of the special to talk about it. He does his original material that he wanted to do. And he does throw in some things about, you know, like, I don't have any problems with this person. I don't need another rapper upset with me and getting the pop from the crowd because he's kind of teasing them like, don't worry, it's coming. And he made them wait and wait. He waited till he got the special. He waited till he got the money. And he waited until he got the last eight minutes of the special to finally rip in to Suge Smith. As he called them. Yeah. And but here's the thing. That's not even his best joke. My favorite joke of all of them was Meghan Markle. When he talked about Meghan Markle and he talked about how, you know, the royal family's racist. They were racist to us. And Chris Rock's like, it's the royal family. They invented racism. They're the OGs of racism. And then they said that, you know, the reason that Meghan said they were racist is because they wanted to know how black the baby was going to be. They wanted to know how black the baby was going to be. And Chris Rock goes, that's not racist. Because even black people want to know how black the baby's going to be. We check behind the ears. We have our ways of looking. And here's the thing. Chris Rock is 100% right. Because trust me, it's not just white people that have questions about interracial dating. Black people are the same way. It's not like white people are against it and black people welcome it with open arms. They fucking don't. It depends. If you're in an interracial relationship, if you're the black person in the relationship, you have to bust your ass to win over your white in-laws. If you're the white person in the relationship, you have to jump through hoops to win over your black in-laws. Now, I've lucked out in some cases. When I dated Rochelle in college, her parents embraced me instantly. They loved me. My parents, they liked Rochelle, but they kind of thought she was a bit of a bimbo, and she was to a degree. But they didn't see that as like a permanent relationship. And obviously it wasn't because we're not together today. But overall, that is the truth because trust me, black people are just as skeptical <laughs> as white people are. You, it's not like you get a win-win anywhere. You're working twice as hard to win over those in-laws. Now, eventually you're going to win the in-laws over if you're a good enough person. They'll embrace you eventually. Once they see that you can take care of their daughter. Like, for example, I had money. Not a lot of money, but I had money. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I knew her parents were going to like me because I was going to college. I was going to, I had a job. I was, for the most part, financially independent. I, yes, I had help from my parents, but, you know, who doesn't when you're in college? But ultimately, they were accepting of me. So I love that. And then he got to the Will Smith stuff where he talked about, you know, just ripped his ass apart. <laughs> you know, getting slapped by Suge Smith. 
He's like, did it hurt? It still hurts. I got summertime ringing in my ear, you know? And then he talks about Jada Pinkett and how, like, you know, no one's picking on this bitch. She started this shit. She starts it, I finish it. That's how it goes. And he goes, and, you know, we've all been cheated on, but no one's ever been interviewed by the person they cheated on us in the relationship. No one said, hey, I was sucking somebody else's dick. How did that make you feel? And then puts the microphone out. And then the crowd starts going nuts because he's just tearing everybody apart. He goes, she hurt him way more than he hurt me. And he said, everybody in the world called him a bitch. He's like, Charlemagne called him a bitch. The Breakfast Club called him a bitch. The View, the talk, everybody out there was calling this man a fucking bitch. And who's he hit? Me. A guy he knows he can beat. That's some bitch-ass shit. He's like, Will Smith is significantly bigger than me. We are not the same size. He does movies with his shirt off. You've never seen me do a movie with my shirt off. If I'm having open-heart surgery, I got on a sweater. He's like, even in animation, I'm a zebra, he's a shark. Even though technically he wasn't the shark. Which, so Chris Rock kind of fucked that joke up a little bit. But he said, like, you know, then he was talking about how, like, they thought he should quit the Oscars because Will Smith didn't get nominated for concussion. But he first said emancipation. So he realized he fucked up the joke. But here's the thing. People were so eager to hear Chris Rock speak. The fact that he fucked up the joke and had to redo it, the crowd didn't care. That's how you know they're coming to see you and not just the act. Because he had his, and then he said concussion. He goes, he goes, they said he got me for concussion. And then he gives me a fucking concussion. That was the joke he was trying to tell. But he said, and he said, I rooted for Will Smith. I loved Will Smith. And now I watch Emancipation just to see him get whooped. I played the Greek crackhead and he played Muhammad Ali. I played Pookie. <laughs> He's like, got me rooting for Massa. He goes, hit him again, Massa. Hit him again, Massa. You missed the spot, Massa. The spot there, Massa. <laughs> so he's telling these bits. Yeah. And he said, how come you didn't do nothing back? Because I got parents. Because I was raised. And you know what my parents taught me? Don't fight in front of white people and drop the mic. That was fucking epic. Chris Rock don't have to say nothing else. It is ruthless. I loved every minute of it. Chris Rock finally gave the receipt that needed to be given. And if we're being brutally honest, Will Smith's career is done. Pretty much. He is. I mean, he goes out there and apologizes, which he's probably not going to do because of his wife. No, he's already apologized for it. The problem is no one accepts the apology. And no one feels his apology is genuine. And here's the other reason. Will Smith has been emasculated on a massive level because of Jada. No one can take you seriously as a leading man in Hollywood if you ain't the leading man in your own house. That's the truth. Will Smith, no one's going to go see his movies. No one's going to give a shit about him. He's done. He might make a few independent movies. He might do some other things. But as far he, his best chance is to go back to hip-hop. That's his best chance now, is to go back to music and start doing music. I don't see him being successful in movies anymore. He's not going to be a Hollywood blockbuster name anymore. Those days are over. At best, he'll do independent films. Because, hell, he's still banned from the Academy. So even if he does a movie, he can never be nominated for an Oscar. That's very, very true. For 10 years, he's been banned from all Academy events. He's had to resign from the Academy, period. He fucked himself. Yeah. Speaking of um, Oscars, we unfortunately, for the last several months since September, that uh, we're going to talk about that a couple of celebrities and musicians have passed away. Okay. You probably know this better than I do. I don't remember so many people have passed away, but I know that uh, Tony Bennett passed away, but he was 96. Yeah. Uh, uh, passed away, he was what? 80? Uh, he's had a 50-plus year recording career. Yeah. Okay. Then, uh, of course, that Bob Baker passed away, but he was 99. No, it's Bob Barker, not Bob Bron Breaker, you asshole. Sorry. 
Okay. All right. Jimmy Buffett was 76. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And I remember um, when I was hanging out with Desmond, we did kind of a tribute to Jimmy Buffett where we kind of drank these margaritas in a can, which is actually one of the most delicious alcoholic beverages I've ever had was that particular tequila. I could get drunk off that shit. Three sips would get you drunk off that shit. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I, I had one and I did, I did okay. But I'm just saying, yeah, obviously, you know, Jimmy Buffett, Margaritaville, everything else. Tony Bennett. I left my heart in San Francisco. Cisco, one of truly great Tony Bennett, one of the best. That dude is one of the fucking best, hands down. Uh, then of course there was um, Michael Gambon, who apparently played oh, Dumbledore. Yeah. He played Dumbledore from the third year down, because the first two Richard Harris he died, but then what a coincidence, Dumbledore died again. Yes, <laughs> but he did a good job as a. Uh... That's Dumbledore. He did a very good job. It, it, when he took over, yes. He did a very good job. Wish it be able to be just a little bit longer, but otherwise than that, he did a fantastic job. Yes, I thought he was very well done. Uh, you sometimes forget that Richard Harris was Dumbledore. He was that damn good. But it is, it was, it was very well done. I'd be intrigued to see if Richard Harris could have pulled off some of the scenes that Michael did. Yeah, and uh, another person, uh, Lee Singer of uh, the Cranberries. Send something I can never say that. Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor passed away. She was dealing with a lot of crap. She was dealing with major hit mental illness. Oh, she was definitely mentally ill. She was definitely mentally ill. This is a woman who once ripped up a picture of the Pope on national television. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, and you're Irish and you're doing that. She, yeah, you're yeah. That's she, for trouble. She also walked off of Saturday Night Live when Andrew Dice Clay was hosting. Her and Nora Dunn protested and walked off the show. Because they're because they're dumbasses, and you know, and then of course she also, because uh, I was also, she said here uh, was in 1992 of Saturday Night Live when she was a musical guest, and this is when Joe Pesci was, I think, hosting Saturday Night Live, I believe, or actually, no, no, no. What happened was she burned up the picture of the Pope and then ripped it up and set it on fire, and then Joe Pesci held up a repaired photo of the Pope during his opening monologue, saying he would have given O'Connor such a smack had he been there, and that's Joe Pesci. I guess he's Catholic. Yeah. Why do you think he plays in Italian so fucking well? Like fucking, yeah. And it's true. You don't fucking, you don't dis, that's the thing about, you know, Catholics and Christians. You don't disrespect, you disrespect something religious like that. We're going to fucking have a problem. That's going to be a major fucking problem. You don't, I would never do that. Yeah, exactly. You look at the thing. You don't want to believe in God. That's fine. But don't disrespect him in front of people who do. I believe in God, but I'm just, no, I wouldn't do anything like that. You don't do that. No, you don't do that. That's just, that, that's just asking for major fucking heat and trouble. Yeah. There's days where people would get pissed. I mean, you're asking for trouble that I, we don't want or we don't need. And here's the thing. I don't really know a lot of songs that you she know, really does. If you heard them, you would know them. Probably. Zombie, that's the Cranberries. Zombie, that's all. And a couple of songs, I just remember her. I respect her. She was a good singer. Not my favorite, but I still so respect. She was a pioneer in the uh, 90s uh, rock and roll world. Well, yeah, you can respect her. I didn't. Although I will say, then of course we had Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman passed away due to private can uh, private cancer battle. Yeah. <laughs> bicycle. I wanna ride my bicycle. La 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 la. Connect the dots. La 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 la. Connect the dots. La 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 la. Hey Zachary, what's the secret word? Uh, I don't know. Well, let's go find out. <laughs> Conky 2000. Ready to assist you, Pee Wee and Broke Soulless Ginger? All right, let's see. Ah, today's secret word is death. 
<laughs> now, you know what to do anyone says the secret word, right? What? You don't know what to do when people say the secret word? I haven't seen the show in years. I forgot. All right. Well, you know what to do with the secret word, right, boys and girls? Scream. That's right. For the rest of the show, when everyone, someone says the secret word, scream real loud. Are you ready? Let's try it. Death. Dun, 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 dun. I remember, yeah, I like Phoebe Herman. I've seen him in a couple movies, but he got some serious sharper over bullshit. Well, yeah, that's because of the whole thing about... Here's the thing. If people don't know the controversy surrounding Pee Wee Herman, he masturbated in a porno theater. Yeah, that was stupid. Why would you get in trouble for masturbating in a porno theater? That's stupid. That's what you do when you watch porn. Who watched... I, I, I would be more creeped out if I went to an adult movie theater and no one was jerking off. That would scare me. I understand how you can sit and watch porn and not jerk off. I've only done that maybe twice in my whole life. And the first time I did it was because after I was done, I didn't have the energy to go shut the TV off. So it just kind of kept playing. The only other time was one time I was reviewing the uh, Backdoor to China adult video to talk about on the regular guys. And I was so busy reviewing it, I didn't get a chance to really, you know, jerk it till later. So that was that. But other than that, you know, obviously... Paul Rubens was known mostly for, you know, his Pee Wee Herman character, which he founded during his time on the improv troupe The Groundlings, because he was a major player there. He also did stand-up for a while as Pee Wee Herman, some comedy bits, as this man-child-like character. Then they did, then he actually had Pee Wee on Broadway. Like, it was off-Broadway, then later became a big Broadway production. And then there was also uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, the movie which a lot of people yeah, loved. Yeah. And then eventually they launched Pee-wee's Playhouse, which was a Saturday morning children's program. Yeah, I remember that as well. Lasted about five seasons. And then, or at least four or five seasons, I think. And then then they did uh, Big Top Pee-wee was the second movie. And then eventually they did uh, Pee-wee's Big Holiday on Netflix, which was uh, produced and directed by Judd Apatow. And Joe Maganello was in it. And he wanted to bring Pee-wee back and gave the right script and the right um, platform and everything else. And then in 2001, he was also charged with possessing child pornography. But the case was later settled. He received three years probation, agreed to be registered as a sex offender during his probation. Apparently, he had, he had gotten a bunch of, like, paintings and artwork. Like, they weren't actual, like, pictures of children. Like, you know what I mean? They weren't, like, actual pictures of... It was somebody did a painting, and he bought a couple paintings that were not sexual in nature, but people felt they were, and that's what he got arrested for. I was saying that, right? But then, he was nominated for 14 Emmy Awards over the course of his career and won twice. He also was in the Blues Brothers movie. He also did the movie Blow with, uh... John Depp in it. Black and Bobcat Goldthwait. Mm -hmm. And Bobcat said he went on set and he lit everybody and went, okay, is there anybody here who's not on probation? <laughs> Because apparently all three of them are on probation uh, for Paul Rubens and what he did. And then they went to, uh, apparently, uh, Bobcat was on probation because he set the Tonight Show on fire. And apparently, uh, Johnny Depp trashed the hotel room or he got into a fight with a hotel room. And then Johnny said, in my defense, the hotel made the first move, <laughs> which Bobcat laughed at. All right, all right. So they did a lot of great, he did a lot of great stuff. He was also in Batman Returns. In the opening scene, he played the dad of Penguin, which is why, in, which is why it was so funny. It was all in Gotham. In Gotham, that he played Oswald's father. That's what made that scene so funny. The fact that he was also the father in Batman Returns, which was wh where they actually took the baby and dumped it in the river, which was just as fucked up. Yeah, it was fucked up. As a kid, you don't really notice that, but as an adult, you look at that and go, "This is a fucked up opening to the movie." Like, wow, Tim Burton really went dark. Like, that was the one complaint people had about Batman Returns. They felt it was too dark. I liked it, 
but people felt it was too dark. And that's why they tried to go a different direction with Batman Forever, which is why Tim Burton and Michael Keaton decided not to do the third one. And then that's when Val Kilmer took over. And well, well, that was the next movie, you know. And then, of course, Paul Rubin was incredible. I loved Pee Wee Herman as a kid. I loved the show. It was just, it, you know why? Because it was fun for everybody. He had different characters, different actors were in it. Lawrence Fishburne was Cowboy Curtis. Uh, Phil Hartman used to play this one character before, for like the first season. So there's a lot of big name stars that were part of that. This is one lady that's on Law and Order. Uh, played the mail lady who delivered the mail to the playhouse. And it was just so much fun. And Pee Wee Herman was one of those guys that was just like a genuine good dude. Yeah. And you could love everything that he did. That's very, very true. Then, of course, we have Bob Barker, the host of Price is Right, died at 99. Made it as close to 100 without going over. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the most common joke people have been writing since he died because he died at 99. And then, of course, every, like everybody knows him as the Price is Right. And then, of course... The scene Happy Gilmore where he beats up Adam Sandler. Oh, bitch. <laughs> I think you've had enough, bitch. Uh, had enough? Had enough? Kick him. Now you had enough, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bob Barker, got, you won that fight, by the way. God damn, I hate that Bob Barker. I hate that Bob Barker. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was one of the, literally the, one of the funniest Bill, scenes. Bill Downs, one of America's greatest game host of, hosts of all time. He's even better than Pat Sajak and um, who's the guy from the, Alice Trebek. Alice Trebek, yeah. Well, he ranks right up there with them. And then, of course, Drew Carey took over after Bob Barker retired. Mm-hmm. You know, he retired in 2007. That was when he ultimately retired. And then Drew Carey took over and he became the host of Price is Right. So... Bob Barker did it for years and was considered, you know, one of the best. And, you know, like I said, like if you saw The Price is Right, you were a fan of his. Like I said, the Happy Gilmore cameo is what most people know him for. And just, he's another talent that will be missed. Very, very true. And then, of course, Steve Hartwell, former Smash Mouth singer, died at 56. I suck. I like a lot of his songs too, especially the ones from Shrek. Yeah. It's always good. Well, that's because there's actually a video, and I was going to make that the opener until you decided to go on Jason Aldean. Uh, us singing uh, All Star was you, me, and Elvis in the car. No, yeah, yeah. God, that was a wild though. Jeez, that was, yeah. that was on probation. Yeah. That was during the San Diego Falcons match. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, yeah, that yeah. was a great night and a great song. Yeah. It really, really was. Well, I remember we were doing that because I was auditioning for this talk show host spot that I ended up not getting because they went in a different direction. But I was going to do this job. It was going to pay me real damn well to do it. And they wanted me to do some like carpool karaoke so we had to record i remember at the time i was trying to do the song it wasn't me but we could never get the lyrics figured out so we ended up doing all-star instead yeah at least we know the words of that song yeah and then we did that song and i played we played it we just had a blast and i remember at the end elvis is like Vinny, there's a smash mouth underneath my bed and you went oh no and that's the end of the show the shot so that's still up there uh, on my youtube channel for people to check out i have it as i have it on a playlist on the front page of the Boochcast. You can find it. It's not hard. You can see Elvis, me, Elvis, Vinny, and I just sitting there singing along. I'm, I was just in the front seat. I'm in the back seat, which is bullshit, but that's okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Who's the next one? Uh, well, that's all the celebrities that I want to look into, unless there's one you want to talk uh... about. Because so far, these are all the deaths. No, that, that's about it. Well, that's yeah, those are the ones that I really wanted to focus on. Because obviously, Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt, we've talked about on previous shows. That's why we're not bringing it up here. Um, so we've already shared our thoughts on that. 
Um, I guess we were talking earlier about the Oscars. Brandon Fraser finally won an Oscar after so many years for playing a really, really fat dude. It's called The Well, and I heard it was very, very good, but it looks depressing as shit. And I'm like, you know what? If he won an Oscar, I watched best and creeps of it. That's all I'm going to watch. Well, here's the thing. Yes, he played a fat guy, but there was more to it than that. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I read, the, I read everything about it. Basically, he was a he was morbidly obese. And he lived alone in this cabin. And he was an online English teacher. He taught online, you know, English writing courses to college students. But he always kept his webcam off because he was ashamed of his appearance, as most fat people are. You know, he had a nurse and that and a friend that would take care of him because they wanted him to go to the hospital for a congestive heart failure. Because usually, when you're really obese like that, heart failure becomes a big thing that you suffer from. Because the fatter you are, the more blood your heart has to pump to get through your body. That's why being fat is considered unhealthy and why it puts stress on the heart. Same like drugs and alcohol. So yeah, and then he's uh, trying to cope with his estranged daughter and, you know, trying to deal with all that. And he's basically trying to help his daughter get on the right track because he knows he doesn't have much life left in him. And then he goes through all this stuff and then his the reason his daughter's estranged is because he eventually left his wife or whatever. It turns out Charlie's gay on top of this. So And there's another issue and I think like his love passed away or whatever yeah and apparently you know and just dealing with all this other drama and then eventually um you know he loses his job and everything else and then he turns on the webcam for the first time and you know the students have mixed reactions some people are shocked some people are just you know proud of him for doing what he did and then he talks about you know he said academics doesn't matter but the honest things the students wrote do and before bubbling ending the class he tosses his laptop across the fridge and destroys it and then eventually he passes away and it's a very emotional story yeah I can see and Brendan Fraser's acting was phenomenal. I haven't seen the movie, but the, the little clips I saw in the trailer that I saw, you could tell Brendan Fraser really put his all yeah, into that movie. And not only that, this is a guy who was blackballed by Hollywood because he was groped by somebody at a convention or whatever. Somebody like that was like high up in producer, he claims, uh, groped him. Whether it happened or not, I don't know. But it would explain why he has not been in movies so long when he was such an incredible actor, had such an incredible run. Now, luckily, he was still able to make a living. I think he did some like independent films and things like that. So it's not like his entire career went down the drain. He was still able to make a living. He'd have to go out and get like, you know, a real job. But he still had, you know, incredible times, incredible careers. He was able to do, you know, a few jobs here and there. But apparently the whale was like his comeback because it got a standing ovation. When it was when it premiered at this uh, film festival that I think was in Italy or Tor- it was either Toronto or Italy, I can't remember which one, but he got a standing ovation and he, you can see him in tears. And not only that, he was winning award after award after award, and he was cr- and you can see the tears in his eyes, the genuine happiness, and just how proud he was to win that award. And then he goes to the Oscars. And keep in mind, there was one other person that got nominated. There was a few people, but I didn't really give a shit about the other people. I only cared about two people, and that was Brendan Fraser and this guy, Austin Butler, for playing Elvis. Yeah, yeah. Because remember, when we talked about the Elvis movie, we were convinced that Austin was going to win the Oscar. Mm Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. I wouldn't have been sad if he did. Like, you can't get mad. I love Brendan Fraser. Don't get me wrong. But Austin Butler as Elvis? 
was amazing. Very, very true. Very, 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 very true. It was a very, very, he did a very good job in a very good movie. Long fucking movie, but still a good movie. Yeah, if Brendan Fraser wasn't nominated for an Oscar, Austin would have 100% won. But Brendan Fraser had the ultimate comeback, and he won the Oscar. And I was so proud of him for that. Because this is a guy who beat the system. He beat the odds. That's the best comeback story I've ever heard in Hollywood. That's very, very true. The, one of the best ever. Hands down. Very, very true, sir. So hopefully we see Brandon Fraser do some more movies. I really think he needs to do something funny next. Well, he's got two movies coming out. Well, one of them you're not going to fucking see. One is Killers of the Flower Moon, and the other is called Brothers, which is which is a comedy movie. Um, it's directed by... Uh, Peter Dinklage! It, the, it stars Josh Brolin and Peter Dinklage. Oh, hell yeah. As siblings. It's a, basically a, as the titular siblings, and it's produced by Legendary Pictures. And I, I, it says the titular siblings, like siblings of what? But anyway, they're the main stars. Then you also have Brendan Fraser's in it. Uh, William Tokarski is in it. Don't know too much about him. Uh, Glenn Close is in it, too. Oh, shit. She's good. Oh, yeah. Glenn Close is one of the all-time American greats. Yes. I think so. I mean, I can. I, I'll check. I mean, just, or she's from Merry Old England. She could be from Jolly Old England. It's not Merry Old England. It's Jolly Old England. Uh, the, the, oh, she's from oh, she Connecticut. Most liberal state of them all. She's from Connecticut. Greenwich, Connecticut. Oh, Near the McMahons. That's where they live. Um, but yeah, so we have Josh Brolin, Peter Dinklage. And then, of course, these are now added to the main cast, which is great. And then Killers of the Flower Moon. You're not going to see it. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's got Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, Robert De Niro's in it, though. Then there's Lily Gladstone. Whoever she, I don't know too much about her. John Lithgow. Ooh, I like him. Uh, Jesse Plemons. Uh, He's been in a lot of fucking movies. He has. Uh, Tantu Cardinal. I uh, don't know too much about her. Um, yeah, Larry Sellers, uh, Barry Cor, Barry Corbin. I don't know whatever's going on here. But anyway, those are the next two movies that Brendan has right now. So you're not gonna go see Killers of the Flower Moon? Probably not. Um, I, mean, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't think a movie that would appeal to me. Um, but anyway, let's see what else we got to work with. Yeah. Go ahead and get this discussion shit out of the way. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. We got to jump back into the politics here for a second. Um, this is just something, I'll be honest, that I came across on the Twitter. This was during an Iowa rally. Um, this is where, like, one where he's, like, kissing his college-age granddaughter on the lips in a creepy way. Like, I, I remember one, there was one, um, like, one girl said, I like to have a man kiss me the, the way Joe Biden kisses his granddaughter. And, look, I'm all for giving a granddaughter a kiss, but that one was just creepy. Like, there's literally one where he's, like, holding it there for way too long. And at another point, he, like, copped a feel. And I'm sitting here going, bro, that's creepy. Very, very creepy. I'm sorry. I'm not a big fan of, like, lip-kissing siblings. I don't like that or anything like that. Like, or even, a, or, I, I love my parents, but I wouldn't even do that with them. Hell no. I think I did it, I think I, did, I think like maybe I did it once when I was a kid and it was creepy. I just didn't like it. So, I do the kiss on the cheek. Cheek is good. Yeah, the cheek is good. I saw this right here. I, I knew it was. I go... Oh, that's evil and it's disgusting. Click. Yeah, I'm just saying. It's like, it, but here's the thing. It's not even, and the thing is, he has a history, Joe Biden, of doing creepy shit like this. Like, he has his arms on people's shoulders, smelling their hair. Steven Crowder did a whole, like, uh, parody song on Joe Biden. Like, and he did it to the song Creep. You know the song, like, I'm a creep, I'm a weirdo. I'm a pedophile. No, 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 he just says, I'm a pedo. What the hell am I doing here? I don't belong here. How did I get here? <laughs> like he's senile. Oh, no. 
Oh no. Yeah, and they're just talking about like, you know, like just the creepy shit that yeah, Joe Biden does. I right here, I was like, I was like, okay, this is evil, this is disgusting, this is fucking wrong. So, with that being said, since I, I feel like I gotta go home and take a fucking shower of bleach on talking about this goddamn shit, let's move on to something that I really do not know about, Vinny. The Tyron Nichols police attack. Yes, we do have... We I don't know anything about it. Well, we do have to address this, and I'm going to tell you why. A while back on the Boochcast, we had an ep- we did a show called Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the 90s. And one of the episodes that we did was Cops, Bad Boys, Bad Boys. And we talked about the TV show, and obviously there was some uh, police brutality conversations in there as well because that was that played a role in cops getting canceled from fox and eventually now airing on like fox nation or something if you go to their uh fox nation has like a uh you know it's like a streaming service that fox has they also have a special from roseanne on there and rob schneider has a special on there as well so they air like conservative stuff that the most places won't air because they're too you know pc and i mentioned at the time there weren't any at the time we were recording the episode when Zach and I were here in the studio recording, I said there were no police brutality incidents. And then when I finally edited the video and scheduled it about a week before the, the date that it would come out, this took place. So I had to go back and put in a text that says at the time of the recording, we were not aware of Tyree Nichols, but we would address this on a future variety show. Well, since we're on that future variety show, here's what happened. In Memphis, Tennessee, Monterius Harris doesn't leave his East Memphis Tennessee home very often these days. Still, Jerry, after a brief encounter, brutal encounter with Memphis police. It happens a few days before the January beating death of black motorist Tyree Nichols. Five former officers who are also black are charged with murder in that case. It says here, most peaceful protests over police retaliation were carried out around the county after the public release of body camera footage brought the Memphis police killing of Tyree Nichols into the clearer picture. Nichols, a 29-year-old black motorist, was pulled over January 7th for what police said was reckless driving. After attempting to flee on foot, Nichols was aggressively beaten by police. New release police video shows. Three days later, he died in the hospital. Here, you know, and they talked about, you know, he was a father of a four-year-old son, was known to his family as an avid skateboarder and nature photographer, and he's from Sacramento, California. That's where he was originally from. According to the press, he arrived in Memphis before the pandemic and later started a job with FedEx, a major employer there. Nichols had been with the company for about nine months before his death. He's one of those people who made everyone around them happy, according to his grandmother, step-grandmother. He was taken into custody after a traffic stop that involved two confrontations with officers. During an initial confrontation, Nichols fled the scene of traffic stop. Following the arrest, Nichols then complained of shortness of breath, according to authorities, and was taken to the hospital in critical condition, where he died on January 10th. His family said the police beat him so severely that he was unrecognizable. In videos, officers seen dragging Nichols from his car and shouting profanities throughout the confrontation. An officer tries to deploy a taser at Nichols and then begins to chase him on foot. I'm just trying to get home, Nichols has heard saying. Later, officers seen reportedly kicking, punching, and using a baton to strike Nichols as he lies on the ground. At one point, he's heard yelling, Mom. Lawyers for the Nichols family say this encounter happened within 100 yards of the family's home. Now, here's the interesting thing. First thing I want to address. You notice they're saying here, peaceful protest. There is no looting. There is no burning. There is nobody snapping. There is nobody going insane. Bear that in mind as I continue with this observation. Did you notice something else about this beatdown? Tyree Nichols is black. The police officers who beat him, also black. This is literally a black-on-black crime. But yet, this isn't a big enough outrage to loot and burn and things to the ground. Like, do white people have to do the beating for you guys to snap and burn shit down? But if it's black-on-black, you'll just peacefully march? 
I find that a tad hypocritical, don't you? Yes, I do. But here's the other thing. Even though it's black police officers beating up an unarmed black man and murdering him, there are people out there who are still trying to make this a racist issue. Because they're so used to seeing the white police officers allegedly behave this way that when it's black on black, all of a sudden it's somehow still white people's fault. It's still racism. It's still that issue. And it's like, no, these were black people beating up black people. You should be just as outraged as you were at everybody else that was wrongfully beat up. Because as I said before in that video, some of the people, at least three of them, that were beaten by police were unjustly beaten by the police. Rashard Brooks and Jacob Blake were the only two people that I said got what they deserved because they were fucking stupid. But Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, I sided with them. Hell, with the Breonna Taylor case, my only complaint was the, the cop who got shot in the leg should not have had to go on trial for a goddamn thing. But the cop in the doorway and the cop shooting in the bedroom with the curtains drawn, yeah, send their ass to jail. But the guy who got shot in the leg had every right to return fire. But in this case... They're literally legit beating him up. Okay, let's say, okay, he fled the scene. Let's say Tyree Nichols did fled the scene. Yes, you should not run from the police. Obviously, if he got tased and that was it, Tyree wouldn't have a, leg, wouldn't have a case. He would be, they, the cops would have been justified. He ran, we tasered him, we cuffed him, we put him in the car. That's literally textbook procedure. But if you tased him and then beat him to death with the billy clubs, that's just as bad as Rodney King. Even if, you, at best, what do you do? Hit him twice? Then cuff him? I don't think you need to hit somebody more than twice to subdue somebody. I don't think. Again, I'm not a police officer, but I would say maybe one shot to the back to get him down and another shot to, you know, kind of stun him a little bit and then cuff his ass. So at best, maybe two, max. They're just, they just beat this fucking kid to death. So yeah, this is police brutality. It is unjust. But if you truly care about police brutality and if black lives truly matter to you as much as you claim they do, white liberals, and I'm talking specifically to the white liberals because y'all are the ones that shove this campaign down everybody's throats. Not that black people don't care, but you guys take it to levels that even black people go chill the fuck out. But if you care about police brutality and Black Lives Matter as much as you say you do, this should make you just as angry. And if it doesn't, then you're a hypocrite who's looking for a boogeyman to scare black people. Tell me if I'm telling lies. You're not telling lies. All right. So, yeah, we had to bring this up. We had to address it because I said that I would, and I wanted to keep my word to the audience. And we did have at least three other topics we want to get into, but we realized we're reaching the cutoff point here, which is three hours. So we're going to save these for another variety show. I'm sure we'll have time at some point down the road, and we'll add in more topics. So that'll wrap up this episode of the Boochcast. Zach, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to join us, and uh, I'll see you later. Oh, that's right. You're on vacation. Uh, vacation, <laughs> not just any vacation. Paid vacation. You know how many fucking days I had to do in a row to get finally? I worked from last Tuesday all the way down to Friday. Well, I know. That's why you weren't on the. Uh, you weren't here for the go home of No Mercy. I mean, obviously you were here for No Mercy when we did it, but you couldn't do the go home show because of that. I get it. But yeah, so I'm saying thank you for taking time to join us, and uh, we'll see you next time for NXT. Absolutely. All right, so make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Anchor, Spotify, Spotify, Google Podcast, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. And iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there. We'll be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash TheBoochCast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great 
content. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content. And be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. And, of course, you can also follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, January the 27th for the WWE Royal Rumble. That's right. It's our first stop on the road to WrestleMania. We got the men's and women's Royal Rumble matches taking place. So we'll find out from the men's Royal Rumble who will main event either night one or night two of WrestleMania, depending on who wins. Because uh, obviously night one's going to be Punk versus Rollins for the World Heavyweight title. And night two is obviously going to be Cody versus Roman for the WWE Universal title. And the women's Royal Rumble is not going to determine anything. So that's basically going to be a glorified piss break. But either way, join us for the Royal Rumble on the 27th of January. And of course, we have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another special project in the works. And of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is 99 cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same of money you would pay for a peacock subscription i know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the peacock so don't give them money give us money we get better content than peacock anyway and we got the third and final level you can donate at which is for a mere 9.99 ten dollars per month the same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE network subscription here in the united states Ever since they sold the Peacock, you got no way to put that $9.99. So $10.99, bring it over here. We got better content at the network, and unlike the Elite, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option to pay with your credit card or with GPay. And the best part is, all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment, we used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believes they'll be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the boochcast slash support is how you make that happen and then if there's any money left over when it's all said and done we use the rest to feed Zechariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid and dear God it's one of the hardest things I've ever attempted to do and until next time this is Vinny Bucci aka the booch saying keep on living life and take care this has been the Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.